Last time on our adventure, the four unlikeliest of allies ventured deeper into Gauntlegrim, a lost city of the dwarves nestled deep in the depths of Mount Hotenau. Their goal, to root out the cult of Jogao and to thwart their endgame of causing the once dormant volcano to violently erupt. It also happened that Nyx McKee had plans at the summit to converse with Veyron, the Lord of Shadow. The next part of their delve had them cross a bridge inhabited by a necromancer and his skeletal minions. An attempt to sneak by with the help of some robes was had, however the necromancer was certain that all the other cultists had been sacrificed in the chambers beyond. Warned by the undead, the party did their best to stem the onslaught of blackened skeletal remains of humanoids. Soon, the necromancer lay dead, shards and pieces of the skeletons littered the bridge they fought viciously on. Hearing screams and the chanting stop, Thrym, angered by the use of undead, charged into the throne room. Facing away was a small, dark-skinned dwarf with smoldering facial hair and golden bracers. The ritual was complete. Enough bodies had been sacrificed to break the bounds that held him to this place. Jogao himself transformed from the small dwarf into a massive, towering fire elemental with a chestplate helmet and two swords made of lava and fire. A tense skirmish took place. Waves of heat and flame threatened to extinguish the life of our heroes. From the walls, torrents of fire began to move ever so closely. Jogao delivered massive blows from his twin blades, but in the end, working together, the four managed to beat down this massive threat. Before the finishing blow could be enacted, a purple portal appeared in the back of the throne room emanating from the lava falls. A tendril of purple energy erupted and wrapped around Jogao, pulling the titanic, titanic flame entity into the portal. After some careful deliberation, the party ventured forth into the portal and found them smell smack dab in the middle of the elemental plane of fire. Surrounded by endless lava, some even coming down in streams from the sky, they had a leisurely trip across the expanse on a moving island of rock. A large, curious snake-like creature observed them as they floated by, its flame tongue whipping the air around them to get a better sense of them. Above, flaming bat-like entities drifted in swarms and rocketed off to areas unknown. This place is unlike any our four had ever experienced before. Soon, the rock they were on merged with a larger island, exposing a small hill with a dark cave nestled inside. Braving the unknown, they entered to find a lone figure, a tall drow elf with black leather armor with gold trim, red streaked hair with lines of white ending at his chest. Atop his head, a purple cloak with a hood with gold trim as well, its purple color shifting between different shades of light and dark purple. A mask of gold and purplish red adorns its face, embellishing his golden eyes. The drow spoke. You have arrived. At last. And that is where we ended our last session. So in front of you, his arms held out. Standing in front of you, presumably, is the Lord of Shadow himself. And as he says that, the arms go back to his side. Um, and Nyx, you're, you're probably the most awestruck by this moment, you do notice his arms shake as he puts them down and he kind of sits back down on the floor and he puts a hand out for all four of you to join him. As awestruck as he is, 
Nyx isn't moving. He's just kind of staring, bewildered at this drow man. The figure looks at you. I understand your caution, Nyx Fengrel. But rest assured, you are in good company now. I wouldn't call it caution. This is confusion, disbelief. I, I, I don't know what to call this. I don't know if it's... I don't know that you are who I think you are. Wait, so... So you weren't confused by the growing dwarf, but you're confused by the man on the rock surrounded by lava. If this is the man I think he is, this is the god who saved my life. I see where the confusion is starting to form. And the, the voice is deeper than, than I can kind of give off. Um, but he, he kind of smirks a little bit. A lot has happened. If you all wouldn't mind sitting down with me, I can explain as much as possible. Want to kind of, like, give Nyx a little, like, light elbow tap? Is that, like, actually Faerun? Don't know. I'll look at the drow elf and I'll ask just, well, to clear up any sort of identity confusion. Are you Veyron? That is my name. You're one of the agents that I wanted to keep for myself. You belong to the Fangs of Loth, correct? I'm going to drop to one knee, bow my head, and, you know, have the hammer on the ground and say, Yes, I, I can't thank you enough for saving me, however long ago that was. But I, I need to know, did any of the other Fangs survive? Were you able to help anyone else? That I don't know. A while back, as my powers waned on this planar prison of mine, I asked a few associates of mine and followers to spy upon the Fangs of Loth. And I left it up to them to try to decide what they would be able to do in order to take away some of her power. One of the last things I remember hearing from them is that it sounded like she was dissolving them. So they had enacted a plan along with one of my other godlike allies. I wouldn't call him a god. It, I should say. To use some of his powers, or its powers, to preserve your life. Forever be thankful for you sparing my life. And I'm going to stay on the one knee, you know, bowed head. What of this creature here? He he does not belong to the redeemed. I'll look over. Which one are you talking about? The, the kobold. Ah, uh, him? He's... Actually, I don't know much about him. He's just kind of fun to have around, really. I haven't really... He? Yeah. Oh, 
Oh, I'm just along for the ride. Along for the ride, you say? Yeah. yeah. I hope you are painfully aware you are surrounded by three who would die for me. That if it were to be that you were part of her forces, there are worse things than death, my little kobold friend. I I don't really know who she is that we're referring to, but if if she isn't uh Miss, Mr. Jerton then then it's it's not that's not who I serve. Very well. The fact that you're with them tells me a little of your story. The the fact that they want to kill me half the time should tell more. Well, then you must be rather resilient if you're still alive, then. Well, not maybe not actively kill me, but but not not stop me from dying sometimes. So the figure goes to stand up again, and and it's almost as if you were looking at like a. 70-year-old human just kind of like getting up and not having a lot of the strength. A lot of the strength is sapped from him. And he begins to walk around and uh, Nick Thrimmon Key, roll me an Arcana check. Nine. Seven. What is Arcana Intel? Alright. Eight. Um, all three of you, you're not able to really pinpoint it, but this entire chamber, it's, it's hard, whether or not it's a refractory thing, uh, the power coming off of him, uh, you would have probably felt more power, uh, or similar power to, um, some of the more powerful magic users you've, uh, been around, uh, Archmage Juritan being one of them. It's, it's equatable roughly... To, to the emanations that you would have felt around him and some of the people associates you worked with in the Fangs of Love, some of the more powerful uh, casters that they would have sent on more uh, clandestine meetings and, and, and missions, things like that. Unless you have any other questions, I feel a lot of my cards need to be placed out in order to prove who I am understandable that coming into a portal into another plane of existence would uh, have you question things as well as to explain why I am the way I am. So, Veyron begins his walk. Anyone? Any questions? I I have innumerable questions. I have I... a feeling what I will say will answer at least a few of those. Please. Please do. I I have one question. Yes, little is, one. This this isn't the inside of the volcano, right? Like, I can't see the sky. No, we are on a different plane of existence. Young okay, one. cool. I just I just wanted to clarify that for anyone that didn't know. Obviously, I knew that, but other people here might not know that. Nyx has one hand shakily holding the hilt of his sword, while the other clutches his chest, feeling the scars under his shirt. 
in regards to what happened back there, I used a portion of what remains of my strength to lash Jogao back into the plane of fire. See, Jogao used to rule here, and he may very well again. All-powerful and wicked. He had visions of conquering other planes of existence and wanted to start with the prime material plane. After the sundering, I was banished here by Lolf. Stuck here, and at the time able to fend off many threats, I met Jogao. I guess sensing someone who he couldn't beat, he followed me around and gloated how powerful he was. He would not shut up. Hearing about his plans for about the 100th time or so, and Fiona stuck wandering on little islands floating on the surface of the lava and beyond. I used that time to scheme and realized that he could be of use to me. I hinted to him that a volcano near a large group of settlements would be a perfect place to enact his revenge. It would take him time to enact that plan, enough time for me to act upon my long-term scheme. I told him to reach out to Lulf. She could strike a deal to bring him to the mortal realm to wreak havoc. He seemed to be receptive to this idea, and the last I heard, he left to find a Baylor to travel between the Demoweb pits and here to strike a deal. One less annoying tyrant to bother me here. See, being in this place, somewhere I don't necessarily belong, my powers began to wane. Between, pardon me, between that and the fact that Lolf kept finding and killing my followers, the powers I'm able to draw upon got weaker and weaker over time. I'd use most of my powers to strike deals with my godlike ally, Aramakos. My deal with him was to give up the space that was taken by Menzo Berenzin after my victory. He seemed pleased by this. And some of my followers began to work with him. Gromf and Ilganoth had been under my wing for a few hundred years or so, so I gave them the task many years ago to found the redeemed. I gave Gromf the task of seeking out individuals of particular strength to help aid me. He told me of one such baby drow who was born with a powerful kick of electricity and was spared by a brutal matron. Ilganoth informed me of a few powerful stone giants with very strong wills who would be of use, including a young one, and he meant reckons to you, Thrym, with much potential. I instructed both of them to mentor you to keep an eye out, to make sure you didn't die so haphazardly as the rest of our kin. And to also recruit you when the time came. You see, with enough followers or artifacts of power, I could gain strength and force my way out of here. Unfortunately, in my current state, I can open portals out, but I cannot travel through them. 
some sort of negative force inflicted upon Lolth to me, preventing me from passing through my own portals. Potentially a gloat of sorts. I asked Gromph to send a group to the surface, away from Lolth's prying eyes. I had tasks for certain chosen in a few places around the Sword Coast, where I'd be able to find beings of sympathy towards the drow males. One of my closest allies, the goddess Sehanin Moonbow, contacted me some time ago to inform me that a creature of her influence was tagging along with two members of the Redeemed. She told me his name was Cuddy. She gave me permission to utilize him if he arrived with you two. My powers starting to fade faster. I knew that I could commune with my followers at weak points between realms. I reached out to my followers and had, me meet, had them meet me on top of the mountain known as Hotenau. Places of intense flame and fire, almost burning intent, are natural weak spots between the prime material plane and the plane of fire. One of them you met in Belliard, Griswold Everdell. I knew with the proper push that you pointing at you, Nyx, Thrym, and Cuddy would come to me directly. Then later on, things went according to plan until Aramakos' barriers were disabled and gave Lolf access to where we hid the Sphere of Translocation. The plan was to smuggle it out with it be without it being detected and to somehow bring it to me. I had lost most of my power by that point, and all I could do was watch from afar, as a gift from the Lunar Lady allowed one of my most loyal to hide the Sphere of Spirits from Lolf's minion. I saw three brave followers fight off a Drider, a noble task against the Queen of Spiders. Unfortunately, the safe house in the Claw Rift was found, and with it, the death of some of my fleeing followers, effectively blinding me from observing what happened after that. He looks over at you, Nyx, and puts his left hand on your shoulder. I felt a presence occasionally. As you tried to punch through the veil to seek me. I knew you would come. I did not, however, expect Joe Gao to almost get away with his plans. Just a little while ago, I had a strange feeling, so I reached out with what little of my power remains to sense that you all were fighting Joe Gao himself. I knew if I pushed myself, I could punch through the planes one last time and allow you to come here to assist me. I grabbed Joe Gao as well, as he could not have been allowed to succeed with whatever he and Loth were planning over there. He looks over to you, Thrym. They will try to break Bjorn, but I think you and I both know they will not succeed. He looks over to you, Key. I hope our endeavors will keep you three together with you there to defend them. I'll always defend your followers. And he kind of like 
takes his mask and kind of tips it a little bit in honor to you. My new goal is to acquire the the sphere of spirits. With that source of energy, I can return to my lair of the demon web pits and begin the process to overthrow Lolf once and for all. So now that you're all here, I do have a plan on how to get out of this exhausting realm. But Jogao is not done with us yet. Before I go into what I have for this, Nyx, did that alleviate your process, or do you have anything else for me? You know much. But no more than a powerful seer could know. How do I know it's you? You have your brand, I assume? Of course. I lift my shirt, revealing the scars and the brand above my heart. You hear in your head as he reaches off and touches your brand. It glows purple. And your vision becomes blurry. And you hear a a younger version of yourself. You're not sure, not much younger. And then you hear this echoey voice come into you recognizing what it's saying. And at the same time you hear it, Veyron's voice repeats it. Loth, have mercy on me. No. Your voice and his voice at the same time. That vision. So many claws. She seemed intent on killing me. Why didn't she? She's never hated to kill my kind in the past. Is this some sort of cruel game? No. And you now remember, you you remember hearing the same voice in front of you in this dark cave. Take this. Slay her. With the power I gave you at birth and the power within this sword, strike her down. Kill my mother and be free at last. And he takes his hand off the brand. And I kind of jolt back like I've just been zapped. I'm just kind of standing there, half hunched over, breathing very heavily because that is an extraordinarily painful memory for me. I know how hard that was. I draw the sword, hold it in both hands, staring at it. You... You gave this to me. You really think that that I can be the one to take her down? Has anyone ever told you who your real mother is? I I am a drow. A male drow. I I have no parentage. That's not necessarily true. You know the process of how all of the babies are made. I know. I know how it happens. But no, I don't know 
which female gave birth to me. I always assumed she was, I don't know, a slave, peasant woman. I was, I was destined for sacrifice. I was not important. Why would my mother have been important? Oh no, you were very important. In fact, in the grand scheme of everything we're doing, you and Thurma are undoubtedly some of the most potent pieces of this arsenal against Lolf. If everything goes now according to what we have in front of us, every one of my followers is about to be the catalyst to freeing the drow. Pardon me, I got a little distracted. I think you may know the answer to this, but just in case it isn't entirely obvious, Rylin is your mother. No. No, that's not right. And Nyx takes steps backwards away from him. I know, I know it's hard. Listen, Grumpf can confirm this if you were to ask him. After all, it was him who scouted you from the very beginning. As soon as you were off the sacrificial dais, Grumpf had already told me of the potential within you and how relieved Rylan was that you were not sacrificed. He investigated that and found it to be true. She's my mother. But she's still in the house. She is. And I'm a fugitive. She she can't be safe there. When have you ever known the females to lack tenacity and drive? That wouldn't matter. The entire house, perhaps the entire drow race is after me. Why wouldn't they go after her? Unfortunately, they'd look at the babies as pawns of that. They wouldn't look at how you were raised and blame her. Those are usually actually blamed upon me. While I pushed it in the right direction, they indeed would probably still blame me, but Lolf probably thinks I'm right underneath her thumb where she wants me. Without enough followers, I am abandoned here. I cannot leave until some things are accomplished. They may be after you, but I am safe from the look of the gaze of Lolth for now. So I missed it. Are we still in the cave? Yes. All right. Nyx kind of he drops the sword. Like, let's go. It falls to the ground and Nyx kind of stumbles backwards until he finds a wall. Slides down the wall on his back. And it's just staring off into space, completely, completely dumbstruck. Okay. The figure leans down and picks up the obsidian rapier. And as he does, 
right as he goes to touch it, you, um, the rest of you, probably just staring at this interaction, see, and it's very bright. Everyone can see these innumerable arcs of electricity go between him and the blade. And as he picks it up, the blade begins to glow brightly. And he kind of looks at it almost admiringly and then flips it expertly and then sinks it into the rock and walks over to you, Thrym. Once Your... he, uh, once I saw the interaction between him and the blade for the first time, Thrym has finally put his hammer away because he's been ready to hit this guy in the face the entire time. <laughs> cool. May I see your brand? I'll roll up my sleeve and you'll see the, like, the circle scarification of the roots of the tree that lead up to the surface world with the brand in the middle. He, he, he looks at it and he crooks his head a little bit. I like where you put this. An area of power. And he reaches over and just touches it gently. And your vision goes blurry. And you remember one of the times walking with Bjorn. And it's almost like you're there. In, in your head, you feel hungry. And your vision looks on the ground. It's like you're looking for like an insect to eat. And you hear a hearty laugh next to you. And you look up. And... Uh, a younger version of Bjorn <laughs> is looking at you and he smiles down upon you and he pats your head. I hear it from here. You're getting hungry. And he reaches into his pack and he pulls out this like roasted lizard and just kind of like hands it to you and smiles. You know how to honor what we kill. You take the trophies you adorn them on your body, as you see. Someday in the future, you'll be able to adorn yourself with the conquests that you enact. There will be a purpose for you. Stay the course. Be loyal to your friends and allies. Know that there will always be a better future for us and even for the drow. We just have to wait a little while longer. And he smiles down and, and rustles your hair. And you hear someone up ahead shout, Bjorn! And he smiles and says, I'll be right back. And he rushes on ahead. And your vision fades back, and in front of you is Veyron taking his hand off of your mark. You have been an amazing ally to him. Please continue to do so, and I ha you have my word that we will get Bjorn out of there alive. You guys took down a drider. It was wise you didn't follow that follower of Lolth through the portal. 
but Bjorn can take that, and someday you will be able to as well. I thank you for your service, and hopefully your future service as well. And he gives you a, a decent pat on the shoulder and walks towards Kashigalath. Are you still, like, on your knee? Oh, yeah, I'm still on my knee, head down. I'm... I had my ally put spores in your grave. Not only did it completely kill you, you're not exactly undead. But it allowed me to speak with you. Do you remember what I said? I do. I, re I remember hearing about this great prophecy that you told me. And I remember that you told me two servants of mine, one of mind, I'm a gesture towards Nyx, and one of strength, I'm a gesture towards Thrym. Find them at the Grove of Fire. Their path is my will, and their fates intertwined with your righteous vengeance. And when I awoke from the grave, you know, ironically, the forest was already on fire. It was all laid out there for me. You made it so easy to follow your will and to follow my path. I, I could never repay you for saving my life and giving me a new purpose. I'm not sure. Do you, do you know a lot about the history of the male drow? Not. For countless centuries... They had been subjugated to cannon fodder, to throwing them into the meat grinder, to use them to reproduce. Never in any real position of power beyond a few of them. So many countless died for nothing. Now, I'd be lying if I wasn't excited as a deity about the prospects of war. but usually against the right targets. The discrimination and sheer tenacity of the drow cannot be matched. You're too young to remember, but there was a war on the surface, and I had had enough. I told many of my followers who were in the hundreds of thousands at the time to just leave to go back to the Underdark it was going to be a slaughter no matter how you look at it her goal for hundreds of years was to take over some of the three bigger cities on the surface countless times she failed in fighting and power grabs all at the expense of the males and stone giants as well. And he's not making it like he's having a personal conversation with just Key. Like, his what he's saying has been echoing throughout this chamber. So everyone who wants to listen is able to listen in on these conversations. One of the things afterwards, when I was cast off as a renegade god, was to find a way to prohibit her activities on the surface as well. If somebody was going to fight against the drow, it probably would be the surface dwellers. 
and maybe in the future the Jirao would end up living on the surface if we succeeded, so we kind of needed them to be less than hostile towards us. So I put spies within the fangs of Loth in order to find out information on their targets, to provide distractions from them succeeding. Unfortunately, not too long after, Loth essentially looked at her old toys and said, that's enough. But from what my contacts told me and the few followers I had in there through word of mouth is those were some of the most powerful of her soldiers. I had to try to do something. They enacted it for me, of course, and I don't know who else survived, to be honest with you. That kind of stuff didn't really get back to me. All I knew is that at least one of them had been cloistered off to the side. And through basic communication, what I could do down the line, the spores of Aramakos were put in, hence whatever fungal mess that you found within your... I'm assuming they buried you. Yes, I spent years and years in a grave covered in those blue mushrooms. You are powerful. And as you heard with Nix and Thrym, we need powerful allies for the fights to come. If I can get back to the demon web pits, we can begin our process. And he looks over at you, Cax. And what role do you play here? What is your name? Hacks. Yeah. I don't get the impression that you're with her. Where do your loyalties lie? Uh. Well, at the moment, my loyalties are, are kind of with Nyx, because if they aren't, then then he'll kill me. Um. But beyond that, it would be, uh, to to. Proprietor Juritan in uh, back in the city because well, he kind of saved my life too, and I'm pretty sure if he wanted me dead, he would kill me as well. So it's kind of with whoever is the biggest threat of, of murdering me. So I suppose if if you are a god, my loyalties would be with you because you're scarier than Nyx, because you're a god. The the figure looks at Key. What's Key's like visual response to what Cax said? I'm going to tilt my head up a little to look at Cax, kind of shocked that he's speaking like that <laughs> to my savior. And can I try to like you know chop his knee to get him to go on one knee as sort of like a respect? Sure. Oh, Cax is Cax is like sitting on his ass on the floor. Because oh. <laughs> when, when, uh, when we came in, he was sitting on the floor and he gestured to the floor, so Cax would have just sat down. <laughs> and now there's a tall man standing in front of him, and he's still sitting down. 
the uh, the being kind of like crouches down as if he was like addressing a small child. Well, then maybe I understand incentive. At least for the midterm. Stick with them. And don't fuck with their plans. And I can bestow upon you much power. Cax's eyes grow wide at the sound of that. But he doesn't he doesn't say anything. And he just the figure like nods as if yeah we understand each other he looks over to Nyx is Nyx still in that same position Nyx has not moved he is still sitting on the ground back to the wall but his gaze is now transfixed on the sword driven into the ground and as you look at that sword there's still like uh, remnants of the electric charge like pulsing through it. Not as like it's not zipping out, but you see it like pulses a little bit of like blue energy and then fades and then pulses and then fades. There was an event many years ago called the Sundering. And he says this kind of loud to make sure that Thrym and Nyx can hear this as he's explaining this to the other two, almost as if he's like teaching a, a lecture. It was in retaliation to me. Lolf had her hands on an artifact known as the Realm Breaker. It consisted of three spheres of immense power. And when all three got together, Nothing was impossible. She knew my power was growing and that I planned on offing her from the Celestial Pan Pantheon. So we tried. My followers and I tried. I gifted them many artifacts of power to try to thwart this. And unfortunately, she activated it. And what it did was almost eliminate all stone giants within the Underdark. It buried their cities with countless rocks and dirt and soot and sand, suffocating the stone giants that worshipped me and some that didn't. She wasn't indiscriminate against any and all stone giants. The only ones she didn't go after, however, were the ones employed with House Fengrel in the Underdark. There were also innumerable sudden deaths that you won't find in the history books. Of male drow dropping dead in the streets of Menzo Berenzen. Some of them igniting on fire, some scattering into ash as the Realm Breaker's power surged through all of the world, seeking out specifically followers of me. Some survived, usually beings with magical protection, strangely enough. But I had nothing. And without followers, without artifacts of major power, 
unfortunately, one god can essentially influence another one, physically. And I was sent here. After the Realm Breaker was activated, the three spheres were scattered. The Realm Breaker itself broke. And in the chaos, they slowly started to be found again. Aramakos, a demigod of fungal nature, itself lives in the Underdark. And something about his form allows him to mask certain objects from scrying and locating. That sphere was the sphere of translocation. That by itself allows one to have magical effects affect other planes of existence without having to be there. The other one, the Sphere of Spirits, is some, somewhere out in the world cloaked by some of my followers. This one allows for the power of chosen spells to be magnified countless times. The last one is the Sphere of Eyes. It allows anyone to view any location they choose or person by name, even between realms. Together, they formed into the Realm Breaker. So combine all those powers together, the ability to see any location or person, a power to amplify magic effect, and the ability to cast magic outside of the realm. Tactical strikes against my followers. That is my goal, my eventual goal, to rebuild the Realm Breaker and to use it against Lolth. And with you here today, we can begin our process towards that goal. There is, at the other end of this ocean of lava we currently are living on, lies a vast plain of smoldering rock and coals. And beyond that is the City of Brass. It is a hub of sorts for this realm. Countless other beings and entities frequent this city as it is one for artifacts and trading. I have it on good authority that the Grand Sultan would be able to point us in the direction of where we could find Jogao. And with it, our ticket out of this wretched plane. Now you could fathom, but just in case you were wondering, the temperature outside of this place is hotter than any place on the material plane. When you guys were, when you all were traveling to me, I enacted a shield over the little island to block most of the heat. I'm sure you know now it's hard to breathe without this power around. 
and if you all could lower, we will be able to survive the trek. With a little bit of your infusion of power, I would also be able to help in case we ran into some of the denizens of this realm. I will not require this of you. It's all of your own free will. But I promise you, if we are to get out of this realm, I will make sure to reward this. As I understand the need for compensation for such acts of trust. You may take as much as you need from me, my lord. Anything to get you back out strong and willing to fight. Well, I've been on fire before, and I wasn't a huge fan, so this whole place is not exactly a place I like being, so as soon as I can get the fuck out, the better. He looks over to you, Cax. Cax is going to look at Nyx. Nyx is... He took in everything that was being said, but he is still staring at the sword driven into the rock. By the way, while these conversations were going on, after like the conversation we had, I walked over and I'm like standing beside Nyx. Uh, if I give you powers, can you fix him? He seems broken. Nyx has had a troubled past. But he is not broken. Troubled past does explain the anger issues. I'll give you power. I can see Nyx staring at the sword, right? Oh yeah, I'm sure he's not making it covertly. No, not in the slightest. I want to go try and pull the sword scary. out. Yeah, you can easily pull the sword out. You feel almost your hand go a little numb from the surge of electricity pulsing through it. All right, I'll pull it out and I'll walk it back over to him and like set it on. Yeah, so if he slumped down the wall, he's probably in a sitting position, so I'll set it on his lap. And you feel comfort, Nyx, as that sword is now in physical contact with you. I'm going to... I'm going to take the hilt. Take the hilt in one hand, the blade in the other, and just stare at the arc going up the blade. Without looking up from the sword. Just going to say... What... What do you need from us? And Veyron kind of stands equidistant from every one of you so that you're all kind of in a position of the same length away. And he holds his hand out in the air as almost as if he's asking a question. He says, please do this. My hand shoots up. Back hesitantly raises his hand <laughs> in the air. Nixon through him. waiting for Nix's reaction. <laughs> I figured. <laughs> Nix is actually going to look up at Thrym. He has a look on his face of 
desperation for reassurance that this is the right thing to do. Because in this moment, Nyx has no idea. Thurm doesn't want to be here anymore. So Thurm will put his fists up here. <laughs> I will slowly bring myself to my feet. Take a long, hard look at the sword. Sheathe it. And before I raise my hand, I'm going to look at Veyron. You are who I want to believe you are. Then I suppose for once in my life, I must have true faith. And I will slowly put my hand in the air as well. So as you speak, he turns towards you. And as you say that, a very genuine smile appears on this figure's face. And he, like, nods appreciatively and looks back at his hand. He, Nixon Thrym, you almost feel like this tingle go up your arm and you feel it at your fingertips as purple swirls of energy are actually pulled out of your physical hands and coalesce in that space between all of you and this entity. Cax, on the other hand, a white energy swirls out of his hand and mixes with the purple in a sphere of these tendrils, kind of like the what you saw that pulled Jogao into the portal. And these tendrils mix and swirl together. And then five beams kind of like hit each of his fingertips. And it looks like they just absorb into his body. And the three magic users, and including my non-magic user, feel something akin to like this static charge in the air. And you hear almost like this boom. And as it happens, like a gust of wind pushes against all of you. And you see the entity put his hand down and smile and clench a fist and then releases it. And he puts his hands down and flicks his wrists and two daggers appear. And he smiles and flicks them away. He walks towards, he walks towards, he walks toward the cave of the mouth, the mouth of the cave. But this time everyone notices he's no longer walking like a 70 year old man, but like a, a spry 20 year old human just kind of have a bounce in his step. He looks, he's just swiggity swiggity. He has, it looks like he has a lot more muscle mass as well. Like nothing like bodybuilder, but he looks a lot thicker than he used to, almost like a, a sickly, skinny form before. And he looks at everyone. So are you ready to start a war against the Queen of Spiders? And he looks at all four of you with a smile. Stand up, pick up my hammer, kind of slap it in my hand, and I'll say, I've been waiting in this the whole time I was dead. <laughs> one for the last well since I was captured so yeah 
Nyx is kind of just staring at his hand. Magic, the, the feeling of magic didn't hurt this time, so I'm ready. Do I have a sense of what he took from us? Uh, roll me an intelligence check. Just a d20 plus your intelligence mod. So the first roll was cocked. Second roll is a natural 20. Oh! Plus my modifier is a 21. You... Over the course of your journey, and everyone else's journey, but to, as you're internalizing this, as you're trying to fathom what's going on, you recall every time you feel like you've kind of surged to a new length. You've, you've discovered new spells. You've uncovered more of your innate magical ability. You don't feel like you've lost anything. Like, you feel as strong as ever. You recall some of the most recent spells you've uncovered. But you feel that something, like a chunk of something is missing. I'm not acknowledging it. Okay. Or, or, or rather, Nyx is internalizing that. As well. Are we ready to take the first step forward? Undoubtedly, my lord. Excellent. Mind you your eyes. Huh? You mean the fight in the in the volcano wasn't the first step? That was the step in getting you here. Now that I have you on board of the main plan. Yes, this is would be the first step. The last part was more of a prelude. So it was the first step before the first step. It was a baby. <laughs> oh. So as as he looks back, the 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 darkness ahead of you. You guys know that this cave isn't very large, and he he like does like a little clear, and the sphere of darkness he had over the beginning disappears, and immediately you guys are blasted with just red illuminated light from outside. He leans back. Try to make sure you're within 30 feet of me at all times. The field I'm emanating right now is what's protecting you from the harsh environment outside. As well, he walks out on the uh, island. Um, and are you guys follow following him right behind him? Yep. Okay, as you all... Axel huh? make sure he's within five feet of him at all times. Sure. As you guys emerge from the cave pretty much all at once, you look over and that giant snake that you saw out in the lava field is resting its head on the ground facing all of you. I named him Attila. He will be how we get across this sweltering lava bullshit. He goes over when, without flinching. He takes his hand up and pets the giant snake's muzzle. And it, to, to give you a scale of it, it's almost like the head itself is like the size of a whale. 
Like, it's extremely large. It has three eyes, and each one of the eyes kind of has, like, a burning, smoldering look to it. And it suddenly opens its mouth very wide, and that tongue that you saw before whips out a little bit, and it looks like it avoids hitting uh, Veyron. And then it snaps it back in its mouth, but leaves its mouth open. And he goes... This part will be a little uncomfortable, but the alternative is riding on top of him. And he proceeds to then step in between the fangs and beckons for all three of you to come into the giant snake's mouth. As I walk in, I want to compare uh, Attila's fangs with the fangs on the back of my hammer. You know, just... They look very similar. Um... You're, you're, with with being able to observe both of them, you definitely get the impression that it was either probably, if you had to guess, either a spider's, like, like a massive giant spider fang, or it could have actually been a snake fang. Although knowing Loth, you assume it would have been some sort of mutated, fucked up spider fang it was modeled after, but it looked similar. I'm going to assume Thrym is right by my side. I'm going to put my hand on his arm. Thrym, I don't... I don't know if I can do this. I don't really know that we have any other choice. You want to be stuck here? No. No, I don't want to be stuck here. Thrym, I need you to be my strength in this moment. I can do that. Thrym grabs Nyx by like the back of his cloak and picks him up off the ground and walks into the snake's mouth. A little more humiliating than what I had in mind, but it works. You can right. see Veron just grin at this. It has Cax already gone in? Uh Cax would have been like standing near the snake and just kind of looking at it and just scratching his head so a little with, bit and then with his other on. hand Thrym will grab Cax and drag him in at the same time as I'm being dragged into a snake's or into the snake's mouth I, I, I was going to go in it was just bizarre I never willingly wanted to be eaten by a snake Thought it might happen a couple times, but never decided it was the best move. Yeah, me either. As you all climb into the fangs and kind of just stand there awkwardly, um, Veyron reaches over and just kind of like briskly slams on one of the fangs and the jaws begin to close shut. And as they go all the way, the the tongue slides out from where like that hole is and illuminates the inside of its mouth. And it's very it's a little bit roomy considering the size of Attila. Um, but it looks fucked up and horrifying. You're just surrounded by these massive sharp teeth. Um knowing what snakes can do. Um and you are riding inside with the Lord of Shadow himself. 
Dude, we are in the mouth of Jormungandr. Yes, this is pretty fucking much. terrifying. <laughs> and with that, uh, we will take a break. All right, and welcome back. So you all are inside the mouth of a titanic lava snake, I suppose, named Attila. With a being that you have infused with your own power. And suddenly the movement begins to shift. And it's a very slow, intent movement. And Veyron looks at you. Don't worry. Attila understands not to jostle us around in here. That tongue of his packs quite the punch if you get touched with it accidentally. And slowly but surely, you begin to feel as if there's a back and forth movement. And then it begins to accelerate, and it almost... It almost feels for a few of you like you were on like a boat on a lake, like Nixon Thrum understand from the Underdark on a on a lake you guys have experienced before that just the movement of water kind of thing. Um, you guys are just feeling that in a weird different form as Attila begins to travel. And a little time passes in silence. And Veyron looks over. I know that was a lot to digest. This is going to be quite the long journey to the shores. So if you have any questions, now's a pretty good time to ask. He's gonna... Why... Oh, you go. Why me? Why give me the sword? Gromf told me of your affinity to electricity. It seemed fitting. Such a powerful artifact will gain more power over time. I hope you gave it a good name. I named it Shadowfell. I named it with the intent to tear down the darkness that had surrounded me throughout my life. I had hoped that the light within it would free me. Is it yours? I'm afraid not. My expertise lies in darker magics than that. That relic has a history within the plane of air, actually. You see, I don't exactly strike bargains, but in exchange for artifacts of power, I give artifacts of power. Some of my followers have given me minor magics in return for 
equaler, greater gifts to further our plans against Lolth. I could tell immediately this didn't come from any of the demon web pits or the prime material realm. What I've been able to gather is that some sort of powerful lightning being infused a chunk of obsidian that happened to be roughly in the shape of this sword, but it looks like it was refined after it left me on the way to you. Though I do not know whom. Roughly the same principle as Thrym's weapon there. Strange that you have that, though, Thrym. That belonged to Bjorn. Uh, yeah, where did I end up picking that up? You picked that up in the Stone Giant Ruins. Way back, uh, yeah. what, the second episode? Yeah, second second or third, yeah. It's yep, been a yep. You've, you found that in the, um, in the research area where you guys found the the sphere. Why do I have it? That's a good question. When did you pick that up? Uh, we were in some ruins of an old stone giant like research center and I found it there. I suppose it makes sense. Maybe Bjorn visited and left it behind by accident. At the time, Aramakos kept that area clouded from Loth's vision. He wouldn't have just left this lying around. See, the thing about that is Bjorn never really had a sense of destiny or fate with him. At least that he didn't show to me. Did he with you? In, in a way, but it was more to keep uh, us going as a tribe. But a he weapon was... like this, he's not going to leave a weapon behind. Even if he didn't know how to use the magic that was with it. I suppose we'll have to ask next time we see him, which hopefully will come sooner than later. Do you even have a plan to get out of here? Like, I plan on bargaining with the Grand Sultan of the City of Brass. That part is a little shaky, uh... I don't exactly currently have the credentials with me, as it were, to walk in on such an esteemed denizen of this realm. I suppose we'll have to see what we find when we reach the City of Brass. You know, just do what I always do. Walk in like I own the place or don't give a fuck who does. That's gotten me pretty much where I am today, so... Keep, keep that up. This is gonna take Whisper off of his shoulder and hold it in one hand 
and try to use the telepathic ability to speak with uh, Nyx sure. and say so, so how hi it's Cax so <laughs> how how much do you trust this this man I can't be certain as far as my survival requires well he seems knowledgeable with magic items and and I want to know more about the cube in in my pocket do do you think he might know something about it we are currently standing in the mouth of a giant lava serpent even if you were to use that cube against us, I, I don't see our odds getting any better. You might as well try. I mean, it's either we die in the mouth of a serpent or we die in the pit of lava, so... Uh, Cax will put the bow back over his shoulder and reach into his pocket. And, uh... <clears throat> Excuse me, Mr. Mister Masked Man? <laughs> Do you... You seem... You seem really good with, with magic items. Can, can you tell me what this is? And he holds out the, the cube. He... This entire time that in between questions, he you actually almost sense some similarities between him and Nyx, all of you, where he has been quiet when he's not. And the entire time he's like had his hand on one of the smaller fangs to like stabilize himself. He hasn't sat down at all. He doesn't look like he's uncomfortable. And he kind of has just been kind of like cock headed, like staring at like the, the bottom of the mouth, almost like he's in thought and processing things. Um, Nyx with your, with your reverence of this God, you would get the impression he's just constantly churning ideas in his head would be your, presumption of what's going on in his head and he looks up as as you hold it out to him Cax? yeah I, I like i hold it in my hand and like after i sit do, do you know what this is i kind of like gesture out towards him and he immediately like stands at attention like his body goes rigid and his mouth opens a little bit Where in the nine hells did you get that? Uh, I, I, I took it. You took it with force. <laughs> he Varen laughs. You, my friend have wandered quite conveniently into all of this narrative, and you are entirely unaware. You hold in your hand a piece of the Realm Breaker. Oh! <laughs> there See are many parts of that artifact, and that gives off the same energy at least to me, of the spheres. Oh, because may I? And he holds a hand out. I look at it 
and like hand it to him. <laughs> he turns it around and he doesn't fidget with it. He doesn't like try to like do it, but he looks at it and he flips it upside down and looks at it and he hands it back. Please keep a very close eye on this. We actually may need this for the future. Uh, this part doesn't exactly have any magical capability, but it does have the function of being part of the artifact as a whole. Without this piece, it cannot be triggered. It is direly important that this does not get into the hands of the enemy. That, that doesn't make any sense. Why would One. it have been in a caravan? It must have been found somewhere on the surface, presumably. Huh. The best so we knew when the Realm Breaker was activated, pieces of it scattered throughout all of the Prime Material Realm. And the last I heard, One Piece, one of the spheres is not on the Prime Material Realm. That's at least what information was given to me by the Lunar Lady. So what's what's the what's the plan with Realm Breaker once once we've used it to destroy the the lady? Walf? Yeah, that one. Well presumably the pieces are scattered again and the mad dash to collect the pieces begins anew. Oh. So you can only use it once before it explodes into a That's million pieces? What happened last time? Oh. It had the power to strip me and leave me vulnerable to being banished to a separate plane. That's not exactly parlor tricks. That that kind of sucks. That it just, like, explodes into a million pieces. I'm not sure about a million. The spheres, we understand, are still whole. They still are powerful in and of themselves. Combined together, however, they assemble into the Realm Breaker. How, how do spheres in a cube assemble together to make one thing? Each shrugs. I was told this artifact had almost very few parts were put into some sort of apparatus. Activated somehow, possibly with that. And then Loth used her most powerful priestesses and herself in order to eradicate mortals and to shatter the world in a way so not only do we need to find spheres but we have to find priestesses this seems like a daunting task when we get back one of my leaders Gromph will have more information for us I'm sure that was partly what I tasked him with. 
axe. Yeah. Do you need that cube? Uh. I don't need it, but it, it makes me feel better. Because I'd rather it be in the bag of holding than... Do you, do you have something else I could fidget with? Something that isn't possibly a, a world a world shattering weapon? Well, it's not much. I'll take out the amber spear off of the druid's staff because I broke it off and just kept the amber part, and I'll hold that out to him. So it's just not like the a same thing, but you can like roll it around in your hand. So it's just like a sphere that is amber in color? Is it a sphere made of, like, amber? Just for clarifying. Say, yeah, I want to say if I remember right, it's a sphere made of amber. Right, yeah, yeah, it was like, it was, yeah, it was just like a, not like a, a fully sphere, it's like, it has, like, jagged edges to it, like it was, like, carved out of, like, a larger piece of amber. And somehow, like, attached to the, the top of that staff. It has a, a spherical shape, but it's kind of, like, jagged in certain points. But yeah, it's essentially a sphere. Veyron pipes up. No offense to you, Cax, but he looks over to Uthrim. Someone as unassuming as him is actually not a bad way of keeping that hidden. I, I, I kind of agree with, with him. I, I, I kind of want to hold on to it. This piece doesn't necessarily have the magics within it. It's more like a trigger device. So it doesn't exactly work the same way. I, I highly doubt if you stole it and they whoever you stole it from hasn't found you by now, that tells me that they don't know how to locate it. Or I'm really good at hiding. We're good at taking things, but I'm better. And he... He just, like, kind of, like, pats you. And he's like, if he wants to hold on to it, we know where to find him. I also reach in and, like, take out a platinum ring and say, what about this? <laughs> I, I do like rings. It won't fit on your fingers, but you can fidget with it really well, flip it between finger to finger. But it doesn't click like the cube does. Yeah, but against against your scales, it'll make a similar noise. It might. Let, let me think about it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold on to it just for now, and I'll think about it. So, as you guys are having this conversation... um. Nix and Key, as you guys are just kind of observing this interaction and kind of, you know, in your own brain, you're noticing the shifting back forth is getting a little bit more rocky. And suddenly, as Cax uh, is kind of deciding to hold on to it, you hear two, like, dulled but massive explosions come from outside of the Attila's mouth. And Veyron, like, looks at all of you and he goes hold up hold on to one of the fangs and he immediately like grabs back on with both hands and holds on to one of the skinnier fangs 
and the the rocking now is getting now it's it's it was normally back and forth like kind of like a snake slithering but now all of a sudden it's like rocking as it's slithering around and it seems like it's it's getting faster and faster axe is gonna grab onto thurm's leg that's a he pretty safe place he can't reach a fang he's grabbing onto thrim Nexi, you're grabbing onto one too or are you still zoned out? Nix is not aware of his surroundings right now. Sure. Uh, I'll grab onto a fang, but I also still have Nix like the back of his, the back of him in one hand. This is this has been probably a little over like a couple hours now. So you, you've been still doing that? Yeah, I still haven't let him go because he's not himself. All right. He needs a fantasy Snickers. <laughs> Thou dost need to eat. You turn into a real loth when you're angry. Oof. Oof. That's a hell of an insult. So, suddenly the, the, it's been relatively flat. All of a sudden it leans back and you guys are like tilted back way further. And then it slams forward again, and the jaws immediately open. And it, you have a rocky clearing out in front of you, but off to the sides it looks like lava. And the snake, it seems to actually be trying to, like, get you out. And Veyron lo looks around and feels that, and he just lets go and lands out. It's only about, like, a five-foot drop. And he just lands down on the, uh, the rocky uh, terrain below. Aaron, let go. I'll let go. I'll jump out, too. Okay. Yeah, I'll follow. All right. Still so, holding it. Sure. And Cax has gone along for the ride with that, too? Yes. All right. So you all kind of clump together in, like, this relatively small spot. And you're, you're starting to hear shouting. And you look around. You're on a very small, like, island that looks very similar off in the distance, you guys can see like mountains, like to, like moderately like our cover page for this, where they're like sharp and jagged. But you're kind of like on an island. Um, you're hearing shouting coming from behind the snake, and way out in the lava ocean, you actually see um, what some of you would recognize as like an ocean-faring ship. And all of a sudden you hear explosions and you see like these like plumes of smoke rise from two different spots and something courses through the air and like falls into the lava short of the snake. The snake, sensing that all of you guys are out, like dashes back in and is slithering over very rapidly towards the ship. And as it goes to like try to get an angle to rise up, two more explosions happen and it looks like something pierces the snake. Attila turns around and it looks like it's starting to swim back to the island and suddenly the ship lurches as it does that. Attila, it looks like it's dragging the ship back towards you guys and it actually crosses around to the right of the if you're looking like down upon it, to the right of the island, the ship being on the left and as it does that, the ship is careening at high speed and as it gets closer you guys are noticing the color of the ship is almost like a a bronze like 
color. It looks like it's made out of wood, but there's like a bronze, almost like sheen to it. And on board, you can see some sort of humanoids with like fire beards is like the biggest thing. They're short and squat, but they have fire beards and they're shouting some language that no one understands. And right as you kind of get a glimpse of those humanoids, the ship just capsizes onto the island you're on. And all of a sudden, you guys get a really good glimpse of these humanoids. They look like dwarves, except made of pure bronze-like material. And they have, like, these on-fire beards and hair. And a couple of them shout down, pointing at you. And a couple of them jump off the ship. And I will move you guys over to tonight's first encounter. Yeah, which is now four encounters in a row without a, without a long rest. Yeah. This is going to suck. <laughs> would yeah. riding in the snake count as a short rest? I Yeah, I would say that that counts as a short rest for sure. That was like... that was It was like three and a half hours of a trip before. So like, uh, what does a short rest entail? Just You, you get... can use your hit dice to restore health. And if you have any other class features to recover spell slots or Which, something. Yeah, I don't I think can't. you guys have... Well, I, I can't do shit. Yeah, me either. Short rest doesn't give me anything. Except hit dice. So as usual, I have the combat area. Feel free to move your tokens within that red square. I'll swap over this beautiful music. Axe is nearly out of arrows. <laughs> oh dear. Well, luckily I rolled well on the health. Hey, yeah, go ahead and do that. My bad, don't take your time with that. Alright. Yeah. Alright. I figured the uh, hot sauce chicken would make more. Alright, let me bring up my monster stats as well as Veyron's stats. Remember, everybody announced their initiative. No, not a giant Veyron token. Fuck out of here. Have yet? So Nick's rolled an 8. Ooh. Axe rolled a uh, 25. Holy fuck. Fucking initiative, man. Dude. That alert feature, man. That alert know. feature on, on a class with high decks is mm. just wow, chef's kiss. Fantastic. <laughs> chef's kiss. Uh, Veyron rolled a 10. Rem rolled a 17. And these creatures... And I want to I want to try to do this more often, too, because sometimes the tokens, you don't get quite a good sense of them. So I had a little thing up in the pictures. Hold on. Its name is in there. Remind me after In the session. lore tab, this is kind of what you're seeing these creatures look like. Neat. Alright. I just feel bad for that fire giant waiting outside for us to grab that rope again and pull us back out. Oh my god! <laughs> That's right! <laughs> Holy fuck, that guy! Do you think he'll get bored and just leave? 
Well, uh, you know, presumably the volcano didn't explode, so he's probably yeah, he probably got real fucking bored and walked away. He's probably like, yeah, they died with it, whatever. Yeah. I'm gonna go eat rocks now. <laughs> eat rocks. <laughs> Different than kicking rocks. Alright, and then my whole reason I brought that up, my boys got a fucking five. Let me roll that in descending order for everyone. So, okay, so to just kind of paint the illustrious picture, two of them have jumped down off the ship. It, it was about 15 feet up, and you both saw them kind of expertly hit the ground. One of the things you notice when they did hit the ground, it, it, it you ever have like a like a piece of metal that was hollow when you like wrapped on it? It almost gave off like a doom sound as their boots hit the ground. Uh, there seemed to be two up on the... Uh, front of the ship. I don't know nautical terms, so we're just going to call bow. it the front there. The bow. Yep. On the bow of the ship. And uh, you, you do see a couple of them. Uh, you see the flames kind of licking up in the air, so you know there's at least two of them uh, up on top. And with that, we're going right into Cax's turn. Thrym, the arrows that you have, are they on a quiver outside of your body? Or outside of the bag of holding? Yes. Okay. At a quick glance, can I note that the is the quiver like full, or? Uh, let me see what. I think there's like twenty. Yeah, I'd say it's pretty close to full. I think I got like twenty six. I have it written down somewhere, but I gotta find the page. That's fine. That's that's literally all Cax is looking for. Is if you have a quiver, and does it look relatively full? Cool all I needed a note for. <laughs> um, <laughs> Cax is going to do what Cax does best and uh, fire off two arrows. He's going to eat some roasted possum. Cax is going to do, do what the second, or the thing that Cax does second best, <laughs> which is fire arrows. But awesome. he does eat roasted possum real good. Yeah. Uh, he's going to fire it at this guy right here that's just sure. off the bow of the boat. Okay. Fire both arrows at him. First arrow is a 24. 24 hits. Right. Dealing minimum damage, five points of piercing damage. Hey! And then second arrow. Oh, probably will not hit at a 11. 11 does. So you hit it and relatively the area around you is pretty quiet now that the ship has crashed in just like before where you heard like the the noises of like the bloop of like you know lava and, and random like quiet noises the arrow hits the body but yet again you hear like a, a ding like it's almost hollow on the inside and it just bounces off and falls on the ground all right um before I end my turn, Cax is gonna go Thrim. I might need you. I might need your arrows, and that'll be the end of my turn. Excellent day, and that brings it right to Thrim. Would dropping arrows be a bonus action? Uh yeah, I'd say it's right on you, so it would just be a matter of you taking it and like either grabbing it and dropping it, or taking the quiver and putting it on the ground. All right, so. I'm gonna move. I'm gonna move 30 feet. Oh, no, not with that tool. I'm not. 
I'm gonna move 30 feet to here. I believe, maybe count. Yeah, alright. But as I'm leaving, I'll use a bonus action to grab a fistful of like. I'll do seven arrows and just drop them near Tax as I walk by. And then. I'm gonna look, uh. Which guy did. Which guy did you hit, Cax? Um, it would have been the guy furthest to the north. So, this one right here is what I'm saying. Alright. I'm gonna look at him. And I'm gonna cast Toll the Dead. So, he needs to make a wisdom save of. Well. Uh, he got an 11, so failed. Uh, that'll be 16 points of damage. Uh, necrotic damage. Sure. That spell does and, some beefy damage. Yeah. 2d12 if he's already hurt. And I already used my bonus action, so that'll be my turn. Okay. Okay. Um... So, I am going to yell, let's make a little defensive line between the rocks so they can't reach uh, Nyx and Vayron, and I'm going to stand right there near Thrym, and if I want to ready an action to attack anything that comes near me, uh, so that means anytime something steps in, I just get first swing? Uh... Yeah, so you'd, you'd use your action if they got within range. Alright, yeah. I think yeah. they're ready in action to swing at anything that comes near me. Okay, so like the first thing that comes within range, you're going to use your Hammer two, yeah. two swings on? Okay, cool. Yep. We can do that. And um, on the top one that has been shot... Uh, I'll use my bonus action uh, Vow of Enmity. So I have the advantage on him. Sure. Now, uh, which one did I use for that? Now I'll just use that one. And that'll be my uh, turn? Sure. Alright. Veron sees this going on. He uh, he takes a moment. He, he the, the rock in front of him is about uh, five feet high, and it looks like it does have some steps up to it. And just to make it fair, he did succeed on his acrobatics to jump up there. Um, so he's a little bit higher now. And he... What's the distance on this? Okay. He uh, holds out his hand, and this purple like bolt of energy just shoots between him and nicks um, knowing your background. You can tell he actually used Sacred Flame and just blasted a purple bolt of energy um, at the one uh, next to the one getting pelted to shit. And the attack actually flies by him and hits the ship next to him, and um, it also gives off like this hollow dung as the bolt at bolt energy just kind of dissipates upon the metal itself. Um, and he looks over towards you, Nix, and he just kind of like Gives a shrug. 
And uh, that will end his turn. Uh, Nyx, you're up. All right. Nyx is frozen in place. Okay. Cannot move. He's just kind of staring at what's going on. That's his turn. Sure. All right, that brings it to my boys. So this guy, we'll just, yeah, we'll just do hit this dude first. He, of course, will run straight up to you as the attended target anyway, so... He steps in key, so I'm gonna let you use your attacks first. Oh boy! Swing like your action. Swing yep. that hammer. Oh uh, wow! Some piss poor rolls. Uh, thirteen hit. Thirteen does not hit. All right, so I'm gonna miss that first one. How does a twenty-three do? Twenty-three does well. Ah, I would hope so. <laughs> and for 13 bludgeoning damage 13 bludgeoning damage um, as you do that the the hammer uh, you, you swing it into like the chest area after you're missed to kind of like swipe at its face and as you do that you, you sense the, the metal itself crumples in and as your hammer pushes into the metal a hot gust of uh hot burning air and the, the the beard on this creature and its hair flare up massively um as you do that so you did a mass you did a good chunk of damage this thing is like bent to shape now because of the hammer and all the beating it's taken um but the hot gust of air does do four points of fire damage to you okay. and so that was both of your attacks right uh that was both of them okay um, and you use your move action, right? Uh, yeah, because I'm assuming it's just the. Yeah. If everyone can chime in on this, so just his held action would just be that action. He wouldn't be able to move, right? He had no, to use all of his move on his yeah. turn. He yeah. he held the attack action. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The, just the double checking is, is what you're able to do with your action turn, and then you use the rest of your turn. Yeah. And that goes up when if it gets propped, and if it doesn't, then that's a lost then, action. Yeah. Just wanted to double check. All right, the creature attacks with a twenty-four and a twenty-five. Those will both hit. Okay. He uh, he is wielding. He has a shield in one hand and this massive like spiked hammer in the other, and he he goes right for like your center of mass as well, almost as if to like reciprocate what he did with you. So between both of the attacks that rolled a one and a two, five, uh, nine points of blood bleeding damage and two points of fire damage. So nine, 11 points total. Okay. Literally rolled the bottom of the fucking D10, but that's okay. Um, so there's that one. Um, Thrim, you have this dude who's gonna swiggity swooty up to you. Uh, 18 to hit? Yeah, that matches my AC, so yes. Okay, and the other one, he rolled a 6, so he definitely didn't hit that one. So, 
six points of bludgeoning damage plus two points of fire damage. Yet again, rolled horribly shitty on the D10s. Um, the two on the bow of the ship, um, you see them, like, reach down. Uh, probably Cax and Veyron are able to see this. Thrimic Key, you're kind of, like, in the middle of shit. And those two actually pull out um, bronze-looking bows. And on the other hand, they, they've dropped their weapons and they have, like, a bundle of arrows that they, like... You see them stab them into their shoulders to hold them in place. And they both take out one and then they aim it. They seem to be lobbing them over in your direction. One is going to aim for Cax and the other... Let me double check. He's in range. This one for Cax and this one 60. Yep, they have 80 feet of range on that. So one for Cax and one for Nyx. Uh, Cax, uh, 24. Oh, that just that just barely hits my AC. Okay. Just barely. Crossbow, uh, two points of piercing damage. Uh, we'll do zero. Break. Because of my minus three with my armor. Fuck you and your piercing shit. <laughs> <laughs> and 15 on you, Nyx? That's a miss. That's a miss. So, you, Nyx, you, in, in, your, in your state, you see this arrow just right in front of your face and just drifts off. And the the two two more, one two three, four, five six, uh, step off the top. They already have uh, bows on them, so it looks like they're trying to have a front line as well, uh, comparatively what what Key and Therm are doing. Um, except these two uh, aim both directly at Key, having the best line of sight on him. Uh, one's an One's a natural one. That ain't gonna do nothing. And the other one is a 22. Oh, one of them will hit me. Okay. And that goes for two points of piercing damage from the crossbow. So at the start of the next turn, you hear this titanic smash. As you guys look over and up and beyond the ship, uh, Attila has raised up his body and essentially like headbutts down onto the ship itself. And you hear like metal groaning and you see the ship kind of like have like an angle to it now. And it sinks into the lava just a little bit. And with that, uh, Cax, it is the top of the round to you, my friend. Um, noting that an arrow just stuck into my armor, um, I'm going to drop to the rock to try to give myself a little bit of cover against the guys that are up high. Sure. And double check my angle here. Good. Um, fire an arrow at the guy in front of me. And then with pack tactics, the advantage. Um, that's a 25. Or 25 hits. Uh, 26. 26 hits. Oh, okay, cool. I wanted to make sure with a 25 hitting, I was afraid a 26 might miss. <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ, my damage rolls, though. Uh, that only six points of piercing. Welcome to the club. <laughs> I'm assuming he's still standing. He is still barely, but he is still standing. One more arrow. 
Ooh, man. This is 17 hit. 17 matches the AC. You Ooh, hit. okay. Well, these aren't going to be easy to hit for most people. Luckily, Cax isn't most people. Fuck Jesus you, Christ! Another six piercing. Six? He is yep. hanging on by the thinnest thread. The, the, the arrows that you knocked in seem to have like pushed in right around the chest area where it got caved in and the flames are acting strange on the beard and the hair of this creature they're like flaring up and they fade a little bit and then flare up and then fade that'll end my turn sure Thram. uh i know we discussed this but does speaking during your turn take a bonus action it, if it's a really, really quick thing, no. If it's okay. like a full sentence, if it's a couple sentences, I'd say yes. No, it, it, it'll be really quick. So you're just going to hear Thrym bellow out, Nyx, wake the fuck up! Perfect. Because he noticed that everybody else went, but he saw nothing, and he's used to some type of magic attack from Nyx in these situations. Okay. And then he's going to look at the guy in front of him and activate Thunder's Lightning. And then swing his hammer at this guy for a dirty 20. Dirty 20, yay. And he's going to swing it twice, so I'll just roll that one too. Okay. And 17. 17 damage. Oh, no. That was 17 to hit. Oh, 17 hit it. My bad. Yeah. All yep, right. 17 and matches AC. You're good. All right. So I rolled the damage for both of those. Cool. Well, <laughs> interesting enough, that's 17 damage for the first hit. <laughs> and... 14 for the second. Awesome. And yeah, that'll end my turn. Sure. So you and your expert slamming down of your hammer notice the same thing that you seem to be like the armor seems to be like caving in as you're hitting these creatures. Uh, Key, you're up. All right. I'll keep swinging away. Sure. Uh, I have a plus. So eighteen hits. Eight, eighteen hits. Okay. For eleven damage. Eleven damage. Uh, as you swing your hammer once more, uh, off to the side now to try to cave in uh, a nearby piece, the the flames like puff out and wisps of smoke are now coming from the inside. You're noticing now that there are, are holes as the creature is like slowly falling backwards and the flames seem to have been jutting out from inside of this shell. Type like you would get the impressions hollow on the inside. And as that happens, um, roll me a perception check. Uh, not good. Six. Six? Okay. Um, yeah, you just notice like these wisps of like steam and smoke as it clatters over on the ground, and yet again you hear like a hollow boom 
of metal as the creature falls dead. Okay. And then... Oh, I did it again. Oh, I did it again, boys. What the fuck did I have for... Wasn't it like four or something like that for them? Five. Five, thank you. Fucking noob. We've got all this, all this space outside the map. I know, I never utilize it. Except sometimes to like hide shit. All this space, and you, you can hide a token over there. All this space for activities. Alright, we're at 11, remember that. Okay. Sorry, the, okay, keep going. For the rest <laughs> of my turn, um... I want to move over here. Oh! Yeah, I figured it puts two of them, at least, shooting through their teammates. And so for extra attack, uh, I only used one attack on that last guy, but it says yep. you two attack actions for or two attack swings per attack action. So yeah, I can... covered this before. You can break it up. Yep. Okay, cool. All right. I'll swing my hammer. Sure. For a 25. The one that I have the arrow pointed at there? Yeah. Cool. 25 hits. And I'll do... 10 damage. Hey! Cool. And for my bonus action, uh, I want to actually down that regen potion. Okay. So, what is that? Uh, so, does that start next turn or this turn? Oh, it says always requires an action. Never mind. Yeah, it's one of those. Right. Yeah, because it's not a typical potion where we allow the use of a bonus action for. Alright. Okay. Well, uh, in that case, I guess I'll just use the bonus action for the Vow of Enmity on the uh, guy I just swung at. Sure. That thing is nifty. Yeah. And, uh, that'll be my turn. Alright. On the start of Bayron's turn. Cax, uh, roll me a perception check. I'm uh, I'm busy checking out my shoelaces. Okay. You see, you see it at the periphery of your shoelaces. I, uh, I rolled a natural one. Okay. <laughs> you you see some movement over in Veyron's direction. Okay. Um, Veyron actually runs off the rock and runs over to the one currently in combat with Thrym. I'm going to make sure I do this correctly. He has, uh, he, he, he flicks his wrist and brings out one dagger and flips it around and then goes to do a stab movement towards the armor. That is a 18 to hit. And he, do I have enough dice? Oh, that's scary. Do I have enough dice? Do I have enough dice? <laughs> and 27? So with the distraction of Thrym, he goes in for a stab and then yanks down and just rips this thing right 
uh, right in half from like the side, and yet again the the flame like puffs out of existence. Um, Thrim, you are right next to him. Um, as that happens, Veyron stops for a second, looks up in the air, and traces, and all of a sudden you see his hand grab up to something that you can't see, and he opens his hand a little bit, and he has a coin in his hand, and he pockets it. Then he looks over at the one currently involved in combat with Key. Sorry, I got a whole fucking crazy shit here for him. Half the number of dice for your level rounded up. Fuck! Why why hasn't anyone done this subclass before? This is fucking broken. Twelve. All of a sudden, key right in front of you, a split just suddenly appears in the enemy in front of you. Uh, dealing... So this one... Sorry to get ahead of myself. This one falls over dead. Favoron needs to take damage. I have that in my hand. And this one takes uh, 12, 17 points of damage. As some sort of slash just mysteriously appears in the creature in front of you. And Veyron takes for fire damage, three points of fire damage from the flame of him. Okay. Man, I'm glad Thrum didn't attack him in the cave. <laughs> well, uh, we'll, well, we'll talk about his subclass later after our session, because this is bonkers. Um, cool. And with that, that'll end uh, Veyron's turn. Goes over to Nyx. Okay. Nyx steps forward about five feet. And is staring blankly at Veyron. And that ends his turn. Sure. Brings it over to the fire boys. Um, now you are starting to hear the ship groan. As Attila uh, begins to rise his neck up again. The two on the bow um, actually rush over to the pointy bit. What about that nautical term? Uh, um, pointy bit sounds right. Pointy bit. And uh, to the further ship, that uh, there's a fucking term for it. Something head, maybe. It's um, the figurehead that's underneath. The figurehead. There we go. So it's like a pointed log, except it, as far as you guys can tell, as they're running on it, it's making a metallic noise. And they jump off over here. Um, clearly turning their heads towards the giant snake, ripping the ship apart. Um, Cax, they really are not seeing you at all. Um, so one of them is going to go for Veyron, the other one's going to go for Key with uh, ranged bow attacks. 20 to Veyron and a natural 20 to Key. So I'll do Veyron's first. Three points to Veyron. I gotta bring his shit up like every time. And get ready for this massive amount of damage, Key. Uh, ten points of piercing damage. 
The one in front of you, Key, is going to attack twice with its Warhammer. A 15 and a 7. Hold up. Ethan's muted and doesn't realize it. Oh, no! <laughs> I love the shrug. <laughs> Not saying anything important. <laughs> He's just like, fuck. I'm like, they're gonna miss natural 20, huh? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, 15 and a uh, fucking 7 on his swings towards you. Not gonna work, chief. Okay, and then... Uh, that flame boy is... Actually, he's not going to stand on the corpse of his buddy. He's going to attack you, Thrym, twice with a warhammer. Everyone has hammers on this fight. Listen, hammers are cool. Well, hammers are fucking baller. But a 19 and an 18. Both hit. Okay. 17 points of bludgeoning damage. And one point of fire damage for 18 points total. And that's all my flame boys. At the top of the round, yet again, Natilla raises his head up and slams down on the ship. And all of a sudden, Natilla's head, like, gets engulfed by lava as the ship is essentially V-shaped now and begins to slowly sink away into the lava. So, not that I don't think it'll, it'll matter, but the ship is about uh, after this line here. It's kind of becoming slowly disappearing off the map. And Cax, you're up. Hold a bowsprit. That little rod that comes out the front. And the figurehead is underneath it. Ah. Yeah. The Knowledge! Figure, the figurehead's like the little mermaid that's underneath it or whatever. Whatever you put under there. Us and the audience are now educated. I'm pretty sure there was people yelling at, at their yeah, probably yeah. Devices, being like, the, the figurehead isn't the isn't the front of the boat, you dummies. The, the DM brought a boat and he didn't know all the fucking terms. That's a pointy bit. Get out of here. Get the all fuck right. out of here. X is gonna drop to here. I can't listen fight. to this podcast anymore. Ruining my immersion. <laughs> that's that's how I think when I listen to podcasts. <laughs> Not making fun of nobody. Um, I'm gonna fire on this guy, this southern one that's around the rock. First shot. Twenty-two. Twenty-two hits. For eight points of piercing damage. Okay. Nope. Second shot. Will not hit as a twelve. Ew, no. All right, and that'll be Cax's full turn. Cool, Grim. We'll look at the guy next to Key, and cast Toll the Dead on him. So that's a Wisdom save of twelve. Ah, uh, that is a natural nineteen for uh, twenty total. Well, that still hits in my book. <laughs> <laughs> And then I'm going to look at the guy right in front of me that just hit me, and I'm going to swing my Warhammer at him. Sure. Uh, 22, so that hits. Yes, sir. And that's 15 points of damage to him. And then I'm going to run 20 feet back to here. 
and I know that I'm going to get hit on my way there to try and give Nick some cover. I rolled it, and he did not hit you. So he tried to take a swing, but you were a little bit too quick for him. And you're going to try to slap him in the face next turn? Basically, yeah. <laughs> All right, that'll end yours? Yep. Cool. Key, you're up. Well, when in doubt, swing the hammer. Uh... 26. Yes, sir. For 7 damage. Ooh. He is starting to not look very healthy. Damn, he's still up. Alright. Keep swinging away. Nat 20. Hey! Heck yeah, bud. For... Uh, 18 damage. Nice. So you just come crashing down with your warhammer, and you just cr the portion that got slashed by whatever Veyron did. You aim right for that point, and it just crumples in, and you just see the the flame puff right out, and the corpse just fall to the ground. Nice. Hmm. Can't really take any cover. Uh, so I'm just gonna run right up to the guy with the bow. And I'll use the bonus action for Vow of Enmity again. Sure. On the guy right in front of me. Perfect. Sauce. That'll be it. Yeah. Alright. Veyron. Uh, Sidesteps over to this mofo. And goes to hit and slam with his dagger. And actually whiffs his attack as the, the creature kind of just parries it as the dagger tries to crack down upon the armor. And he uh, attacks again with the dagger, and that was a 22. And two points of piercing damage. And that... Veyron's going to stay right at that spot, so that brings it over to our boy, Nyx. Okay. With Thrym standing next to him, Nyx kind of walks around. Again, puts his hand on Thrym's arm. Steps ten feet around Thrym and points the Wand of Magic Missiles at the, uh, I don't know, Iron Dwarf standing in front of Key. Is there a save for that, or is it just hit? Nope, just hits. Because it's beautiful. For seven points of force damage. Cool. And Thrym being the one right next to him hears him mutter, Rylan. And that'll end his turn. Okay. At the top of their turn, this one next to Veyron begins to run towards the lava. Um, triggering an attack. Veyron misses that attack. Um, so the creature keeps going. 10, 15. It gets to the lava, and all of a sudden, you see the flames around the body begin to grow. 
and this like burning like almost liquid flame crawls down the body and enters the lava and the 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 armor shell just collapses on the shore of the lava um seeing that happen these ones are going to do the same 15 20 25 30 Actually, no, my bad. I'm sorry. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. And he's using dash to... He begins to walk in the lava. And as he does that, the brass begins to melt. And as that happens, let me just make sure the hit point total for the lava is enough to kill him. Oh, yeah. So the brass completely melts, and you see a ball of flame rise up above the lava and kind of, bloop, jumps into the lava. And the one next to you, Key, goes to run away from you, which triggers an attack of opportunity. Yep. And since I have that ability where uh, I can move uh, half my speed after the attack and part is the same reaction, uh, instead of swinging a hammer, could I try to body check him to the ground so that he doesn't get there? Or trip him, or you know, do something. Yeah, I'd so say if you want to use that as your as your reaction, you could try to do that. Yeah, roll me a strength check. Okay, strength check. Do I have advantage on it, or? Uh vow of enmity. I'd say in this circumstance, he's trying to run the fuck away, and it's kind of freaked out by you. So yeah, I'd say I'd say you got advantage on it. All right. Um, I believe that is a nineteen. Nineteen hits. All right. Yeah. So you successfully I... knock this entity to the ground i'll use the fangs on the back of my hammer to just yank out and just rip his legs out from under him sure so you actually you you succeed in in getting them in there um i'd say you you got him pinned with that it would take like an action to yank the legs out from the armor but you got a pin with that okay cool uh just to be on the safe side um so am I still on top of them? 30, yeah. So as you go to step out, uh, I need you to make a constitution saving throw, please. Uh, 13? 13. So you end up taking eight, nine points of fire damage as you step out of the influence of Veyron and immediately your lungs are filled with searing hot air and you almost feel like you're starting to boil inside of your your armor. Oh, okay. Not tasty at all. Yikes. And that, yep, that was the only dude remaining at the top of the round. Uh, you see now suddenly uh, the, <laughs> that distracted the shit out of me, the ship, it gets yanked all the way in the lava and you just see it slowly starting to fill as Attila's head comes back to the surface and starts like starting to rest its head on the battlefield. Probably right here. And Cax, it's all you. Cax is going to drop into position, moving a little closer to Veyron to get an angle on that last remaining mess of a dwarf and fire off two final arrows. 
with that tactics advantage. Uh, that's a 26. Yes, sir. For eight points. Eight points. That's a dirty 20. Oh, baby. For seven points. Seven points. This thing ain't looking too hot, my boys. And that'll end Cax's turn. Okay. Trim. That too well. <clears throat> Thermal move five, ten feet to here, and then do I have one left? Yes, to do with his he'll cast magic missile and send all four of them. I mean, all three of them at the guy in front of Key. Sure. Uh, 12 points of damage. 12 points of damage. As Key, you're holding this down. These bolts of energy are arcing around you as to not hit you. And then boom, boom, boom. And as that final one hits, the fire grows and then puffs out of existence. You are now holding a shell of a creature now. And with that, combat is over and the turn initiative is complete. I'm going to drag that shell back within 30 feet of Aaron. Okay, yeah, just five feet back will do. <laughs> Let me swap our music, my boys. Cool. So as you drag the shell back, you guys are now... the This beach, if you would call it, is littered with the bent and broken husks of empty armor shells. That one, that one. So we're not in combat anymore, right? You are not in combat. All right, so Thrym's going to turn around and take a knee and, like, look Nyx dead in the eyes. Nyx is looking through you. Okay, so he's going to grab Nyx and shake him. Like, lightly, because he doesn't want to, uh, you know, shaking baby syndrome, but... <laughs> <laughs> You know it's easy to snap Nix's neck with your shaking. <laughs> he's going to keep staring in the eyes and he's just going to go, A distracted soldier is a dead soldier. You can deal with this later. Right now we need to get out of here. You can't do anything to help whatever you're trying to do if you're dead. I'm not a soldier. You are now. I, I don't know what I'm doing. Just keep doing what you have been doing this entire time. If you want to help whoever it is that is on your mind, you can't do that if you're dead. And you not fighting with us, you're not going to be the only person that's dead. All of us will be. And then all of this goes out the window, everything we've been working for. And... We're just fucked. Everything we've been working for is gone. And probably that person you're trying to protect is too. Upon saying that, you see Nyx's eyes kind of take focus on Thrym. He doesn't say anything, but his kind of slack-jawed expression returns to its normal, stern facade. He just kind of straightens up. 
Grum will stand back up. Baron's looking over. He takes out something from his pocket and, like, holds it up. And from the people paying attention at all, it just looks like a basic coin. And he opens up his hand, other hand, and he's got three more of these coins that he had been grasping in his left hand. And he holds it up. And then you see the coin pop. It's almost like the coin itself exploded. And a little flame begins to hang in the air. And... Nixon Thurm, roll me perception checks to hear what he says. Cax, you hear it because you're close enough. Eight. And eight and ten? I jacked the first one and I rolled a natural one. Ah. So, Cax, you hear... Veyron speak to this flame. What were you after? And the flame, Cax, you hear this. The flame speaks. These kinds of snakes are rare. Many things could be made from their bones. We were looking for profit. And the flame winks out. Veyron looks around. Unless you have anything else here, I suggest we get back in Attila. He walks gonna... over and pats the giant snake. And he opens up his jaws and Veyron jumps in. Nyx very sternly walks past Thrym, straight into the snake's mouth and grasps a fang. Thrym falls right behind I'm going to need to use my lay of hands on myself before following them, and then then I'll hop right in the mouth of the snake. Okay. Cax? Cax is going to stand there for a moment, thinking about how he just watched someone talk to a fire, and the fire talked back. And then hearing Thrym approach and not wanting to get grabbed, he's going to scurry quickly behind... Um, Veyron and get into the snake's mouth because he doesn't want to get picked up again. Uh, John, you're able to do the direct messages on Discord right now, right? Uh, yeah, I just gotta... Okay. Yeah, Alright, I just wasn't sure, just in case. Um, the jaws of Attila close once more. Those were called the Azers. They're a rather vile, hated race here on this plane. I suppose you could have them akin to pirates. They were after Attila. Clearly, they didn't know what they were up against. My apologies, I should have realized you guys would have needed a little bit of rest before hastily trudging towards our destiny. And with that, I apologize. Oh, uh, Cax. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I, I I rolled it on there. So three of them had quivers on them. I would assume you would have tried to look for arrows, or no? You are you absolutely? I would have. Okay, you um, <laughs> I I rolled it off to the side. Um, you found uh, fifteen arrows <sighs> off coming of the in, corpses coming in clutch. See, you can see the relief on his face, <laughs> dude. I had twelve arrows going into that fight. I got seven. I ended with eleven total arrows. I would Did have you... had four arrows. I just imagine Cax running up to something and just like hitting them with whisper. <laughs> <laughs> like an old lady with a broom and yep. a large cat. <laughs> Provided it's not the best of accommodations. I I assume we have many more hours to travel until our destination. We should probably get some rest as long as more Azers do not harass us like that. Can, can we go deeper into the snake? Or is that just certain death? I'm just asking because I'm curious. You can try. I don't I like would the sound of that. I would assume very powerful muscles would push you towards its belly. I'd rather K not now. Cax, we need you. Let's let's not do anything foolish. Foolish is my middle name. It might be my last name. I don't think I have a last name. So do you I'm assuming you guys wanna take advantage of that and get a, a long rest out of this? Yeah. Area yes. of Okay, cool. So to, to just kind of expedite it as we go along, nothing happens. Uh, Veyron actually doesn't seem to relax at all. He just kind of, he occasionally wanders around towards the front where the two major fangs are on the top of the mouth. Uh, but he, he doesn't seem to sit down or close his eyes. There's always that like glow behind the mask. Um. And everyone, depending on if you guys want to do shifts, I'll leave that up to you. Or do you guys just want to take advantage of him not resting? Well, Nyx is going to take his meditative stance, you know, where he just kind of sits cross-legged. Sure. Cross-legged. Um, he's going to do so facing Veron. Okay. Um, he'll take his four hours of rest and then spend the rest of it maintaining that stance but not taking his gaze off of Aaron. Sure. As you do that, about an hour into it, you feel a presence inside of your meditative state. I know this information can be traumatizing. I didn't tell you this to harm you. There are truths that needed to be said. You'll find them to be true. You are more than welcome to speak with Gromp once we get out of this wretched plane. But I do this out of solidarity. You have proven you lent me your power. That shows trust. Unlike Lolth, I actually appreciate my followers, and I reward them when I have the ability. Keeping you in the dark about your heritage didn't seem valuable to me. It needed to be out in the open. 
I'm sorry this is causing you much strife. I can see and sense it. But I am on your side. Just like I feel like you are on mine. You feel that presence slowly drift away. Oops. Get out of there. So, um, clarifying yes. question about my steel quiver of the forge. Yes. Because we're on the elemental plane of fire, technically dawn never comes. Dawn never comes. Got it. That's all I wanted to know. <laughs> dawn doesn't come. This is going to be, it's going to be, I'm, I, I'm already planning, you know, just to expedite this rest process. But about six hours into it, Cax, suddenly you, you feel like this, like a little bit of weight behind you. Okay. And you reach back and there are six steel arrows. Awesome. In addition to the ones you have in there. Okay. Dawn may not come in the elemental plane of fire, but it doesn't mean it's not happening. Okay, cool. Um, uh, time needs I... to pass, so. Yeah. Yeah, I just, it, the way that it's worded, I figured that as soon right? as Dawn came <laughs> on the physical plane, I wasn't sure if that meant that it would re-enchant or uh, reappear some arrows, or if I had to be on the physical plane when dawn occurred. Yeah, that'd be fucking garbage. <laughs> I mean, it would be if you if you were delving into planes a lot. It also would be a really interesting balancing tool. Um, I'm gonna give seven arrows back to, and uh, a regular quiver back to um, Rim, and put the rest of my 19 arrows in the in the. Uh, steel quiver and say I, I I don't really have use for this quiver anymore except because I, I have the other one but if you want this one you can have it oh why not so I'll sling it over my shoulder so I got two quivers on either side maybe I'm <clears throat> ambidextrous and I can shoot from both sides hey what are you doing as this rest happens well, I'm passed out. That brought me down to four health points. I'm, I'm zonked. Jesus. <laughs> I, I went into that fight with 28 and you started with nine damage. I'm like, oh, I'm going to die. Okay. Why didn't you use your hit die to restore hit points when we had the short rest inside the snake? I did. All of them? I got, I, I got, uh, I rolled a nine and a five for the hit yeah, die. That's not horrible, but. No. I was like, yeah, no, I, I, we should be okay. We'll be okay. Proceeds to get nuked by fire dwarves. <laughs> all right. So you guys have your long rest. You guys uh, adjust your hit points and all that accordingly. Restore your spell slots. Thank the gods. I was literally sitting on one level one spell slot left. Oh, that magic missile burnt up the last one I had. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think the Azers were gonna be too rough, especially with like Veyron helping you. Yeah. But, but I took I took that into consideration. Yeah. Alright. So what seems like many hours later, in, in silence at this point, the the rhythmic rocking back and forth, or I should say side to side, kind of becomes 
hypnotic in a way, and everyone kind of rests and recovers. Um, no other noises, the no aggression you you see. Veyron doesn't exactly look relaxed, but he doesn't look like he's like trying to pay attention to Attila like he did earlier. Um, and you, and you, all of a sudden, you kind of felt that elevation shift and the tilt like you did before. And Veyron looks up from kind of staring at the floor. Smiles. I think we're here. And yet again, you hear, a, you feel like a, a thump. And it, everything flattens out. And then the mouth opens. And then this dark landscape of black hills stretches out in front of you. You see rising from into the orange-red sky smoke and like wisps of like what you would assume is like a dark gas rise up randomly around the environment. The ground in front of you is littered with red coals that are slowly burning into a soft black smoke. Up in front of you, no living creatures can be seen, nor any plants or trees. This is truly a hellish landscape. As Veyron gets out, I assume you guys follow suit. I stay yeah. right on his heels. You all look around, and behind you now is the vast lava ocean. And in front of you, it's just all dark. Almost like reminds you of like a little bit of the area inside the volcano, except it's a lot darker. Like the ground is like a, like almost like a obsidian, but not as reflective. And just spots all over are glowing. You're noticing chunks of rock everywhere, as if some massive volcanic explosion in the past just littered everywhere with large and small rocks and boulders. Um, there's also smatterings of small rocks as well that look like they'd be a pain in the ass to like navigate over. And you also notice portions. They're not exactly pools of lava, but they look like they're intense heat because it looks like cracked ground that are like glowing red hot in sporadic areas. Veyron points to a distance way in front of you. And he says, take a look. There should be a glint of yellow in the sky. And everyone looks and right at the horizon or what you can see as the horizon, there's a faint, almost dome of yellow, like the size of like a glowing star. He goes, that is the city of brass. That is our destination. This could take a few of your days. But slowly but surely, we will persevere. And he, Attila closes his mouth and Veyron pats him fondly. And you actually get a sense that you probably won't see Attila again as it slowly sinks back into the lava and just kind of disappears in a bloop underneath the lava. And Veyron begins to march towards that little pale yellow dot in the distance in the horizon.
So there will be at least a couple days of travel through uh, what Veyron refers to as the Smoldering Plains. And the landscape never changes from my description. It's all just looking the same hills, the same disgusting areas of potential lava, the, the rocks, the smaller rocks. It's just a really depressing landscape in front of you. Um, but following Veyron and you've got that small pinprick of yellow, it, you always know where you're headed. You won't get lost in this area. But what I will do, or I can roll randomly, is I want somebody to roll me a d20. 13. Thirteen. Hold on one moment. Okay. Out in front of you, after seven or eight hours of silence and trudging through and realizing you hit like a little like U-shaped area of lava around you and having to backtrack through it, you're you're starting to get tired. Um up in front of you is a titanic hut that really look look it, it it looks like some sort of giant would live in it. It's just a hut, there's no yard to it. There's a giant door and a little tiny window of sorts. Although it doesn't look like there's anything separating the inside from the outside. It's just like a circle. And it, it it's coming up in front of you. And Veyron's walking towards it, but he doesn't he hasn't he's hasn't pointed it out or anything. Um, but you guys are getting closer to it. How many days into this are we? You guys are maybe eleven hours into your first day. Like you guys are getting tired now. Um it's it's hard to tell, even though you know, you, you being in the underdark where it's always dark, there's something disorienting about the constant red orange sky that makes it hard to kind of gauge like time per se. All you can feel is you you guys are getting beat, like it's almost time to like rest. Um I know we can't really retcon this, but those of us with sunlight sensitivity, how are we doing? You guys you guys are fine. It's it's a dim orange red, like it's it alters everything. Like, you guys are so used to in the dark, like, black and white, right? Like, everything's black and white with little shades of gray. Um, it was very, you know, your first couple days on the surface, very disorienting. Color was fucking, fucking green everywhere. That fucking was so disorienting for the first couple days. And you're, you're feeling that same way being in this environment for so long. It's You're getting used to it, but it's still funky, but it's not bright, per se. It's like a constant glow of, like, a fire. Right. Well, Nyx hasn't said a word since we left Attila. He's remained as stoic as he was when we left the battle with the Izir. Walking beside Nyx, I'm just gonna, like, say, do you imagine if Spunky was as badass as Attila? How much easier the fights we had with him would have been? Nothing. So, Grim will just let out like a 
little bit of a sigh and just keep walking. Uh, I'm a little bit behind Varen. I don't have the audacity to walk side by side with him. <laughs> so, I'll say. Uh, my lord, I, I'm afraid that some of us don't have your never-ending strength and abilities. Would we be able to rest in that uh, hut up ahead for even just a few hours? That most likely belongs to an Afridi. They are the dominant species on this plane. I suppose we could see if we could shelter there if you need rest. I assumed we would need to stop a few times in order for you all to rest and recover. I apologize for our weakness, but I would, you know, like to have a bit of a breather. In that case, would you like to take point on this one? It would be an honor, sir. Now I'm going to... Remember, Oops. 30 feet. Ah, <laughs> yeah, I, I got an experience of that firsthand, fighting those, uh, those, those bronze fire beings, whatever those were. Oh, the Azers. Ah, so that is their name. They, uh, I'm sorry, I've, I've, I've been here long enough, I've gathered some information. As you're all walking, you, you are walking side by side with them at this point. And he's explaining, and he's saying it loud enough for everyone who wants to hear. He's not covering anything. They are akin to fire elementals. They have found a way to create almost living armor that they inhabit. They actually reproduce by crafting a set of that armor that you saw and imbuing a piece of themselves within it, growing a brand new Azur. They speak, they speak Ignan, which is a rather prevalent language amongst. If we get to the city of Brass, if we survive that long, which I humbly think will be okay, a few beings do know some of the languages from the Prime Material Planes. I think we'll be all right when we get there. Cax, update your character sheet. You speak Ignan now. Ignan? <laughs> There's no way you would have understand, understood the conversation between Veyron and that little fire uh, spirit. No, actually, when that happened, you did understand that. He yeah. he, he spoke if it. He in... spoke Ignan. No, he spoke that in. Uh, he, as far as you can tell, he's he, the Ignan, uh, I'm sorry, the Azur uh, spirit spoke in common. Got it. Come on, man. And now I speak common. <laughs> <laughs> I would fucking hope so. Just can't spell it. <laughs> yeah, you just can't spell it. You can hear hey, it. Listen. Two syllable words, sometimes three. <laughs> yeah. He's got to roll the dice on a third syllable thing, and if he gets like a, a one and a two, he can't say it, and a three and a four, he's good. Yeah, yeah. see, I roll a d20, and the DC, like, per syllable, the DC goes up by five. <laughs> Damn. You roll a yeah. d100, and that's how many words he knows. 
<laughs> a D100? I was flipping a coin. <laughs> See, I just Odd. imagine Kax spelling common is like C-O-M-I-N. <laughs> hey, he there's an E. It starts with a C. There's an E somewhere in there. It's a silent E. C-O-M-I-N-E. Common. <laughs> Alright, so... Um, you're about maybe like this hut towers at maybe like 30 feet tall, but it looks like a like a traditional like mud hut kind of. It's nothing fancy. And Veyron like beckons ahead for you to be the one to uh, knock on the door. I'm gonna walk up <clears throat> and knock on the door. Okay. And as you knock on it, you realize you knock for the first time. And then realize, like, a lot of it got absorbed within, like, a, like it seems to be uh, made out of stone. So then your next two, you, like, wheeled back and slam in order for it to be heard. And immediately you feel on your feet, you're the closest one, you feel a rumble. And another rumble. And another rumble. And the, like, 18-foot door scrapes open and standing in front of you and I'm assuming everybody's right behind you yep you see this towering muscle bound red humanoid creature with horns growing out of the forehead on his sides are these almost like tapestry like wrappings around his waist with a bare chest with scars all over. He's wearing like bangles that are dangling on his wrists. And across his back, and you're not sure how they're there, but he has like two blades from the look of the hilt. You identify them as blades. And he like leans down. It looks like I have guests today. What are you? He says in kind of broken common. I'm going to speak a little louder, thinking he's higher up, he needs to hear me better. But it's just going to be a little obnoxiously loud. And I'm going to, like, crane my neck and look it up, and I'm going to say, The mighty Lord Varen requests a small break at your hut. It will be greatly appreciated, mighty Afrit. I'm going to look back at Varen for, like, a thumbs up that I did good or something. And he just slowly... He's not sure. He just cocks his head. He goes, he shrugs and like gives you a thumbs up in return. And yep. as you as you turn around, the uh, Ifridi smiles and gives out this big belly laugh. Ah, ah, ah! The mighty Lord Varon. 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 Come in, mighty lord Veyrun. Your friends are welcome as well. And he, like, gives you, like, this, like, mighty bow and steps aside with a couple thumps and, like, holds an arm out for everyone to come in. Axe is gonna, like... I'm assuming Cax is fairly close to Nyx. He's gonna, like, step over to Nyx and start tugging on his, like, cloak. Like, trying to get his attention. Nyx just kind of glances over his shoulder down at Cax. This this seems like a really bad idea, but imagine the chalices you could make out of those horns. 
Nyx doesn't... He doesn't show an expression. He just kind of shrugs and casts Mage Armor. Okay. You can tell, Nyx, that Veyron noticed that. And he turns around as he walks a little backwards. He looks very confident. The Afridi are a moderately noble race. Please don't show any aggression. The reason I'm very confident about this is it's common to invite travelers into one's home. I think you'll understand once we get in there that this hut is of no consequence to him. It's just a place where he keeps things. Uh, uh, with, with, with all due respect, Veyron, uh, cannibals would also invite you in their home willingly, too. Do, do you or do you not trust me, Cax? Well, I suppose if I'm gonna die, I might as well trust you. Attaboy. Whether it's whether it's today, tomorrow, or in a year, I'm still gonna die. Unfortunately, that is the plight of the mortals. I suppose it's how you go out. If we go out fighting in Efriti, I suppose that's pretty amazing. Just, just tell my story. <laughs> I will tell your noble story. Dragon kin. Dragon kin. <laughs> and he just smiles and he looks, he, he smiles. And as he like looks up to you, Nyx, still with the smile on his face. And he's just kind of gauging you. He's giving him the thousand yard stare. Okay. He, he sees that and gets that. And just still has that genuine smile from his interaction with Cax. And Thrym, what are, what are you doing as this interaction is happening? I'm just kind of sticking... I'm just kind of sticking behind, beside Nyx. Because he's not himself, and... If anything goes wrong, I want to be right there. You all <coughs> carefully walk in. Veyron, not so much. And of course, this is just like Alice in Wonderland, where all the furniture is fucking giant. Uh, Thrym, you'd have uh, like a little bit of a hard time getting it. The place consists of a table with one chair and one giant table. And um, on the table is some sort of like pottery. And you're not exactly sure what it is. But around the room, besides it being a basic mud hut or rock hut, you would suppose... There are like tapestries all over the wall adorning them, and these are some of the most like beautiful interwoven pieces you've ever seen. And Veyron looks at the Afridi. Magnificent artwork you have. And the Afridi smiles. Thank you, follower of the mighty Veyron. I am very proud of these. But my manners 
Renji. What is your name, follower of Veyron? And he points to Veyron. And he just, like, cocks his head. I am Key. And Renji, like, offers his hand to everyone to try to get their names. I'm Ken. Ken. Yes. It's a great cover name. <laughs> and fitting to your intelligence level. <laughs> uh, Thrym. Thrym. And you... my friend here doesn't like to talk much, so this is Nyx. Nyx. Strong name. Honorable names. And Veyron, mighty Veyron, guest of my home. You say you seek shelter or food? I'm kind of bewildered that this took place, but since Veyron said he was my name, I've kind of decided to run with it. As he said that, too, you, you do notice Veyron has a smirk on his face looking at Yuki. We, we will only need to reside here for a handful of hours to regain our strength before we can continue our journey to the City of Brass. Uh, my rest completed. So I will accompany you on your rest. And he slumps down in the chair because I will make food for Veyron and his friends. Least I could do, hospitality is Paramount to nation. And Veyron looks over. My apologies. They're not from around here. And as he says that to uh, Renji, he looks to everyone. The Afriti, like you said, hospitality is quite important to them. Please don't turn down any food given to you. Uh, honor and tradition will be what gets us where we need to go in the city of Brass, as well as here. This one seems on the up and up. Let's just play along for a little bit. Renshi goes, yes, we may play too. I will make food. You may shelter here. But I demand... One story. And with that, he claps his giant hands and holds his hands out like almost jazz hands. And you see him almost disappear into this line of like sparkles. And you see it arc over and you see it travel into whatever's on the table. And almost with like a floop, Renji is gone. Is I he think... Afridi or Janassi? Afridi. He, 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 mm. Okay. I, I think if he's looking for a story, there's a, there's a member of us we'd also love to get a story from. Cax. Cax. I don't, I don't know a, a, a Cax. My name is Ken. Okay, Ken, maybe you should tell us a story of when you were leading 
a bunch of thieves. Probably do that. Should we wait for our guest to come back? Well, yeah, he insisted on the story, so I think we should wait for him to come back. Oh, man. What story is appropriate for being in someone else's home? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. If I was Kishigalith and not the mighty Varen, I could have told a story about, you know, my time in the fangs of Loth, but alas, I cannot, so it is down to you, Hen. Easily the best cover name I've ever come up with. <laughs> I'm proud of you. X with a C. I put something in general for you, Robin. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I mean, you, you described the actions of a genie, and I'm like, what the... I, I may not know a Freedy, but I know the Genasi are part genie, so what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> so about an hour goes by, nothing. It's it's eerily quiet on the outside. The door is still open, by the way. Um, Another hour. You guys are starting to get really tired. Everything's pretty boring. And right as Veron like leans up against the table, it's huge on him, so he just puts his weight on it. And, and right as you guys are starting to consider like taking out your like bed supplies, like a big puff of smoke pours out from the container on the table and splits back into the giant form of Renji. And out in front of him are these plates on the table that have materialized with him. And he takes these plates and just kind of places them on the floor like he's placing food out for, like, his pet cat. Food? For the mighty Veyron and friends. Now, I must demand a story. Please. Ken? Ve Veyron looks over. Yes! Ken, tell Renji a story. Oh dear. This is really testing Xander's ability to tell a story in Cax's voice. <clears throat> let me let me take a drink of water to prepare my throat for this one. That's what she said. <laughs> Alright. Let's see here. Oh, okay. So, uh, it, it must have been, been quite a while ago, but there was, there was a point, uh, where I, uh, me and my, my acquaintances, some, uh, some colleagues of mine, from work, uh, we were camping on a on a, a regular basis. We'd go out and you know spend some time in the wilderness and camp, and we'd go hunting and fun things like that. Uh, every every week. Did you so. make love? 
with with my co-workers no absolutely not well that's when we travel sometimes we make love I uh that that is a very intimate time mm. to do it you know when you're when you're traveling away from home and and your 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 safety but you haven't you know, touched your food yet any points and and when, when as the plates went down everyone was paying attention to Ken telling this story and now you guys are finally looking down you guys have giant crickets red giant crickets on your plates these things are about as big as a fucking wolf and as as he points them out he rips a leg off or he actually takes two fingers and rips a leg off and just kind of like eats it but it looks like he has like seven or eight on his plate and there's like two or three on each one for you guys uh, you can just see the like the back leg of one hanging out of Thren's mouth he didn't wait for the story to start being told as soon as <laughs> the food was put in front of him he started eating and as soon as he said that, he's looking at everybody else to see if they're eating, too. And Veyron looks around, and he kind of, like, nods his head, like, yes. And Veyron begins to crunch on a piece of antenna that he rips off. Sorry, where, where, where I come from, it, it's rude to, to eat and tell a story, but I, I'll do that here, because I'm in your home, not mine. Excellent. And Cax will struggle to pull off a leg and gnaw on it. So no, you travel and but you don't make love. Yes, correct. Oh, okay. So, sorry, I, I'm curious about your cultures. No, it's quite understandable. I, we're not really from places where fire's natural in the or on the ground and boiling over onto the roadways. Um, but. <laughs> There was a time where we were out in the woods and these these really bad people came in and they decided that they were going to like attack us while we were sleeping. And so we had to fight them back and Cax is going to try to rip off another leg and struggle with it for a minute. <laughs> and uh, Renji seems enthralled with your story, only occasionally stopping. At this point, he stopped like taking bits and pieces off. Now he just takes like whole crickets and like pops them in and is just intently listening to you. And we didn't we didn't really know who was coming for us at all because we were just we thought we were out by ourselves in the woods. And it turns out that this group of people had followed us from the nearest city and they they apparently wanted to, to kill us and take all of our things. So we were forced to to fight them back, but we were outnumbered at least three to one. Um, I was able to take a couple out myself, but by the time that I had to turn around and and leave to save my own skin, there was at least a dozen behind me, but... I was able to make it out with just a couple things, one of them being my dagger, and the other being my life. 
Oh, so did everybody die? Besides the 12 that were following me? Uh, I think so. So they went back home? And he points to whatever container is on the table. I I can only imagine that they went back home. Oh, that's nice. Yes. I guess they'd come out someday after that, huh? I hope so. And he, he, he finishes it up. So, like I said, you, you guys have between like three or two to three crickets each on your on your plate. So he, he finishes his plate and he looks over and he, it looks like he's trying to collect the plate. So what's everyone looking like with the food situation? All of it gone. But like as he's reaching over for it, I'll reach in my bag and take out some rations. Just one ration and put it on the plate and hand it to him and be like, you were kind enough to give us food from your world, so I'll give you food from ours. Ooh. And, like, how big is this ration that you give him? It's not much. It's just a regular ration. All right, so he takes the plate and, like, tips it back and swallows it. He he smiles. He goes, disgusting. But he has a smile on his face. No, I I feel the same way. So he uh so he starts asking for the place. So did everyone ever everyone eat from it? Um, Cax probably would have eaten as much as he could if he was given like the same amount as Thrim. There's no way that he would have been able to finish it. No, all. no, you probably had two on your plate. Thrim okay. had three. I'd say the rest of them had three, and you had two. Yeah, then Cax would have eaten it no problem. He eats okay. real possum. Sure. I got through two, and I was working on the third when he started asking. Okay. Nix? Nix managed to pull one leg off of one cricket and was pulling the meat from the interior. He's not unfamiliar with this because of living in the Underdark. A lot of the food is underground bugs. Mm-hmm. But he was using Mage Hand to pull the meat out and quietly eat it. Nice. As he takes the plates back... Uh, Veyron looks over. He goes, Veyron, I suppose we should probably get some sleep soon, right? Yes, we should, Key. That would be prudent. Always so wise, Veyron. He, he grins. And as he says that, you actually see Veyron like, put a hand on his stomach. And you look up and Renji is starting to put his hand on his stomach. And everybody else begins to feel very sick. So I need everybody to roll me a constitution saving throw. And I'm rolling one for Veyron, and I am rolling one for NG. Dirty 20. Okay. 21. 21. What'd you say? Key? Seven. Veyron? Okay. Oh, wait, wait. If we're all within 10 feet of each other, we all get yeah, a... Yeah, you'd, you'd be within course. 10 feet. Yeah. Okay, then 11. 11. I'm not sure if it's the bad food 
the atmosphere or the fact that I just recanted my entire um, like group that I led dying because of my actions, but I rolled a natural one. Okay. For a total of nine. Sure, okay. Uh, Veyron rolled a 12. Um, and you look over and you see Renji and he just leans over and throws up on the floor. But he has a smile on his face the whole time. And he looks over, he goes, here it comes! And he looks over and every one of you vomit onto the floor a little bit. Not, not violently, it doesn't get on anybody, but you guys just do that. He goes, I love to see when that happens. Thank you for letting me experience your food. Um, but at the end of your vomiting, Cax, the everything starts to wobble a little bit for you. And you just think it's, you know, maybe you haven't breathed in enough air after throwing up or whatever. Uh, Renji begins to actually, he, he reaches over and his arm dematerializes and then comes back a second later and it looks like he has some like very beautiful looking like towels almost looking as beautiful as like the tapestries around the room and he gets on his hands and knees this giant afridi and begins to clean up the vomit and junk on the floor and as he he's you know he's on his hands and knees and he looks up at you and uh, Cax and as he does that his his red face almost seems hostile to you and everything starts to wobble as if like you're not seeing things properly and you hear him say how are you doing except this is coming off extremely extremely hostile Axe is going to look around to like the rest of the group and look at them instead and see what like they look like to him Sure. Uh, they're they're they don't look like they're standing still. They're like wobbling, but you're not sure if it's the effect of you or it's like they're having an effect as well. Uh, Renji gets up off the floor. He says, "Don't worry, they'll be fine." And you look up again, and he's like grinning, but you take this as like something fucked up is happening, and your fight or flight is beginning to kick in. Veyron isn't paying attention to anybody in particular. He's just actually kind of like looking at Renji and am amused as the like hospitality of him cleaning up vomit from somebody else. Cax is going to struggle to stand up and say, I really don't like this and like try to back away towards the door. Because this dude is massive, and Cax is scared of him. <laughs> uh, the door is still open at this point. Uh, Renji never closed it. Um, what is uh, what's everyone else's reaction to this stuff going on? I want to try to move behind uh, Cax. Try to put a hand on his back to steady him and. Keep him away from running to the door. Cax, you look over at him coming towards you, and yet, it, just like with Renji, like he looks like he's he's aggressively walking towards you as if to attack. 
Mm, that's really bad for me. That's like really bad for me. Am I within reach of Cax? I, I would say so. You guys are probably within 10 feet of each other. You guys are grouped together uh, partially because of the don't like the circular area the Veyron's casting to keep you guys uh, breathing air and not smoldering. I just I'm I'm just gonna try and grab him. Okay. Cax, how do you react to that? Um. So my attention would be divided between Key and the massive, the massive man's. Um, probably wouldn't see Thrym trying to grab me, so I wouldn't resist initially. But as soon mm -hmm. as he grabs me, I would be trying to resist that. Sure. So I imagine that I would take that as aggressive too. Okay. So. At this point, Veyron looks over. Oh, I think he's having a reaction to this. Um, I'm not prepared for this. Um, we need to calm him down somehow. That This is not going to look well to our friend here. So... You're you're just trying trying to just touch him, Thrym, or you're no, not trying right. to restrain. You're grabbing yeah. him, so you're just to just to touch him and keep him around. No, no, like I'm grabbing him in my hand and like pulling him back to me. Okay, so I'd say if you're doing that, you're not physically like like you're just scooping him at that point. So I'd yeah, say I'd say acrobatics versus uh, not acrobatic, like a dexterity. Because you're just trying to reach over and you're like you're not athletically trying to grab him, but you're also not like trying to quickly like nag him. So I'd say whoever was like quicker. So Dex v Dex. Dex v Dex. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I'm winning this <laughs> one. <laughs> There's no way I'm losing this. Don't, don't oh, with that play. roll I will. <laughs> Oh, come on. Yeah, you definitely will. I rolled a natural 20, so that's 22. <laughs> I rolled a natural 1! <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, I'm winning this, he says. <laughs> so you, like, trip backwards. And you fall, like, right into the grasp of Thrym. And you are now in, like, you're panicked. When, when you fall backwards into his hand. I'm going to just, like, grab him and scoop him over and, like, drag him beside me. And then, like, with my other hand, I'm just going to start, like, slowly petting him gently on the head like you would a scared cat. <laughs> tell him, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay, Ken. Roll I don't me know a, what's going on. A, it's going to be okay. Roll me a persuasion check with that, Thrym. Thirteen. Thirteen. So, you feel the panic is starting to subside. And Veyron looks to you, Key. Be like, calm him down or we might need to get the fuck out of here. Alright. I'm going to walk up to him. Luckily, I was always I was already heading over to him. And do I see he's kind of uneven and he's off balance and stuff? Yes, very much so. And as you're like walking over to him, you actually hear Veyron as Key 
uh, he starts to talk about one of the tapestries on the wall to distract Renji from this situation going on. All right. Um, so Leon Hands says I can use five hit points to cure a disease or poison. Okay. Uh, would this fall under some sort of disease or bad reaction? I don't know. You'd have to try if you wanted to find out. Yeah, sure. I'll give it a try. I'll put my hands on him and I'll say, don't worry. You will be fine, Ken, my friend. Varun is here to help you, and I'm gonna... <laughs> and I'm gonna use five hit points to try to cure him of disease. Okay, almost immediately, Cax, you feel your stomach go back to normal, everything stops wobbling, and all of a sudden you look over at Renji, and he just seems like this, like, gentle giant discussing like one of the symbols on one of the tapestries and everything all of a sudden feels absolutely normal to you. Well, as normal as can be inside of the elemental plane of fire. Oh, I didn't like that. <laughs> all of that kind of sucked. Yeah, we could tell you just got, you know, outmaneuvered by Thrym. It felt like being drunk with none of the good parts. All right. Only the bad. I want to say, all right, and like slap his face a couple times. All right, get it together, Ken. Let's go. Veyron oh. looks over. Is everything okay over there, Veyron? Oh, yeah. No, he, Ken just tripped and Thrym caught him. Oh, good to hear. Um, We should really rest and get going. Don't you think, great Veyron? A wise idea, Key. Excellent. Let's... Renji, if you wouldn't mind, my lord would like to rest. Renji looks over, he goes, A fine story and fine food with new friends. I need to go hunt for more food for the next time I have... Such entertaining people. I'll close the door on the way out. And he just lumps out and like kind of gives everyone like a little bit of like a kid wave. And he just scrapes the door closed. And now you guys are alone inside this weird little fucking hut to rest. My lord, I am so sorry. I did not mean to impersonate you. He assumed I was Varen before I could properly <laughs> introduce myself. I am so sorry about that misunderstanding. I have been stuck on this plane for way too long not to have enjoyed the living shit out of what happened there. I am very glad you solved that issue. To be offended or to attack... And Afridi would not have been well for us. I don't think I would have been able to subdue something like that with my current strength. They are immensely powerful beings. While this conversation is happening, I've taken the bedroll off of Key's stuff and I've laid it out for him and I just go, My lord, Feyron, your bed awaits. <laughs> Out for him, he's gone. You don't have to. That's the real lord. This, no, this no, until until we leave. You are Veyron. Oh, I am oh. Keith. 
Please, oh. my lord, grant me your blessing. <laughs> and I am uncomfortable. Give me 15 minutes over your sleeping body, I'll give you a blessing, and I'm gonna make, like, the jerk-off <laughs> motion. You're too tall. Oh, boy! <laughs> Alright, so... Uh, unless you guys have anything else, the, uh, there'll be another long rest period of just rest and recovery. How yes. does Cax look? Oh, Cax is, Cax is fine. Cax is settled. Physically, yes. Mentally, he's... It, look, so after, after telling that story and before the the nausea and hallucinations um there was kind of like a thousand yard stare from him as he was like re you're like retelling the last part of the story um as if it, like it still affects him to this day knowing that he led all of his men to their death um but he's fine physically so nix without emotion is going to walk up to cax kneel down and say he's actually going to speak he's going to say just think of home and he cast prestidigitation which I looked it up instantaneously recreating the scent of possum kebabs and his shop from no more than a few seconds And then just walks away to a corner and goes into his meditation. My fucking heart. At, at the scent of awesome kebabs and and his shop, like you can you can see that that does make Cax feel a little more comfortable. But as you're walking away, you kind of hear him say, "I don't even think Neverwinter was my home." <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> That's all wow. you hear him say, like, under his breath as you're walking away. Boys, we got all sorts of feels tonight. Throw lightning at that little ingrate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. He's the only one that hasn't been hit yet. That's true. Yeah. We gotta, you gotta, we just you evenly distribute me. it out. You gotta hit like, for the know, cycle. Like, you're an enemy. Thrym can take it. I ate I'm shit. I might turn him into a kebab if I hit him, but it's gonna happen. Axe kebab! <laughs> when he gets access to polymorph, just possum kebabs. So, as I get ready to kind of crawl into my little bedroll or whatever, I'm gonna say, uh, uh, E. Uh, when, when I was, you know, dying, I heard your voice for the first time. Do you know just, you know, how long ago you sent me that message? Because no one else here appears to know the year. Right. Like, how long ago did you give me our the little prophecy? I would say probably half of a century, maybe. It was a long time ago. It's hard to gauge time in a place such as this, even with my innate knowledge of otherworldly things. I'm going to be counting on my fingers and 
if it's half a century, I'm 84. Oh. Yeah. I'm just going to kind of lay down <laughs> thinking about that now. <laughs> and a little, a little smirk on Veron's face. I'm going to, as he says that, I'm just going to look at him and go, you look terrible for your age. And then I'm going to, I'm not even going to take my bedroll out or anything. I'm just going to like where Nick said went to where his meditation. I'm just going to lay down in front of him. So anyone have anything else before the long rest? I would, I want to ask a he another question. You you said you planted a spies within the face of Lolf. Like, was any of the operatives a spy, or was it just uh, more bureaucratic parts? Because I only interacted really with the operatives, and we received our orders through kind of a go-between. My people... Some of them, I was told, got into, I guess, suppose what you would call middle management. Mostly being male. So they were never able to rise up too high, but enough to have the moderate understanding of the comings and goings of everything. I didn't know the names of any of the people involved in that. Unfortunately, when I was d figuring out these schemes that led up until this moment, a lot of names just didn't ever got passed by. Unfortunately. Hmm. Thank you for your knowledge. It, it helps me, even if it is just a little. If we get out of this moment, it may be wise to seek out if any of the other ones did survive. I've been keeping an eye out for them, but we kind of bounced around Neverwinter and went straight into that volcano, so haven't been looking for long. There was n none of the other ones I spoke with. None of the other ones. I'm not sure if they died some other way. I wasn't able to have anyone perform the same ritual as you or what happened with them, but I suppose time will tell. And so it will. So with that, Nick's meditating, everyone else kind of getting some shut-eye. Uh, Nick says, I'm, so you're still kind of just watching Veyron this whole time? Yeah. You're noticing uh, very like very similar to you. He He, he mostly paces throughout the whole night. And you almost see him, like, talking to himself. You'll see his, like, mouth moving. Um, But it's, it's like, inaudible. It's maybe he's practicing a speech or coming up with the next long-term scheme that he's conjuring, but you're, you don't really have a skill in lip-reading at this point, so you just see him. It's just kind of familiar of, like, what you normally will do when you're like processing stuff, just kind of you could tell that stuff is churning in there. So, a number of hours goes by, 
and uh, Renji hasn't returned. And uh, Veyron notices everyone's getting up. It won't be considered rude if we just leave. At least as you can tell, they tend to live in those things up on the table, so this isn't really much of a home, to be honest. This is more of a foyer. So we can probably get going without offending our new Efreedy friend. Uh, Trim, uh, Veyron, if you don't mind the door. It takes me a second to click and remember the name. Oh, yeah, okay. Right. So one of you can help the other for advantage with uh, pulling open this giant stone door. Before I go, I I'll give him a hand. But before I do that, on the table next to that jar, I'm going to leave one copper piece just sitting there. Okay. In like appreciation and also memory that we were here. Veyron uh, sees you do that, and he nods. He goes, that puts us in good favor with him. And then I'll go help Key with Veyron, uh, excuse me, with the yeah. door. And, and I'll make a sweeping motion and, like, bow to him mockingly as I go to help him with the door. Okay. So, Key, you can roll with advantage on uh, athletics to pull open that door. Um, 23. 23. With uh, a giant heave back, you manage to scrape open the door maybe four feet before, like, your muscles give out. Like, the strength of uh, Renji to open and close this door seamlessly uh, gives you a lot of sense of how powerful he was. And you guys all quickly walk out. Um and are free to continue towards the yellow dot on the horizon. I'm going to try and close the door behind me. Sure. I'll give him advantage. Ooh. Uh, athletics or? Athletics, yeah. <laughs> 27. 27. And with a little bit more ease than it was to pull it, uh, into the inside, you pull it back and you are successfully close up the giant door. Um, so I think rolling this will be a good leaving off point for the rest of this. Um, so uh, one of you can roll a d20 or I can randomly roll that. I shouldn't have done that. Seven. Seven. Okay, hold on. Momento. Um, all right. And now I need you to roll a D8. Three. Three. Okay. Um, all right. So a couple hours goes by. The hut is long in still a couple little like random bits of hot area that, you know, 
that you shouldn't go near. It's going to burn you. Um, and there are a lot of rocks in this area. So, you know, every once in a while you get to a spot where you guys have to like daintily walk um, without having to slip or trip or really just because a lot of it will like crumble below into, you know, other like small bits of rock to kind of trip you up. Um, but now this is your second day of traveling in it. So you guys feel a little bit more confident. And um, suddenly uh, Veyron stops and says, listen. And everyone roll me a perception check. Nat 20. 21. 22. 30, 20. 30, 20. Jesus Christ. Damn, where were these rolls earlier, boys? Um, every one of you hears some sort of chirping noise coming from somewhere behind you. And as you guys turn around and Veyron looks and immediately whips out a dagger, you guys see coming from one of the hills from behind now, there's a couple large holes. And flooding out from those holes are massive red crickets. And there seem to be about ten of them now out of the holes rushing towards you. And that is where we will end tonight's session. <laughs>